This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Happy Friday. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk on a Marbles Friday. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. Busy show today. And, of course, you know what's up. 245 will open up entries and uh, bang off a marble race to get you ready for the weekend with a uh, hoodie up for grabs. Our version of the um, Winnipeg Sports Talk version of the green jacket from Augusta. So uh, stick around till the end of the program as well. Uh, we are going to be talking with Ken Weeb. Ken has been out West continuing his summer golf tour, which is as good as anyone I know. Uh, we'll see what he's been up to out there and obviously talk a little more jets. I, and we'll talk flames as well. A lot of similarities between the off season situations of Winnipeg and Calgary so looking forward to having Ken join us from uh, from out west uh, before he gets back home a little bit later on. And of course, we got a big game tomorrow for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on the road in Ottawa. 3 p.m. start Winnipeg time. Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports is going to jump on with us. And don't forget, Bombing and Walby will uh, get going with a little uh, game day edition of Bonfire uh, Game Day after Winnipeg Sports Talk today, and uh, as soon as we're done the marble race, we'll throw everyone in the uh, live stream over to Bonfire Sports. But uh, bombing coming up in about 20 minutes to kick things off. And later on, uh, you know, it, it's, it's that point of the year. You get to the middle of July, the All-Star break finishes. There's not a lot of sports news going on. But if you're like me, half of your feed is fantasy football and NFL news, and training camp, and uh, well, what better day to get Lee Hacksaw-Hamilton on? It's been a minute since we've had Hacksaw on. Still a ton of big-name NFL free agents available, so we'll have Hacksaw pop in a little bit later on today before we get to the marbles. Um, big shout-out to all the uh, sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Of course, our friends at CoolBet, Princess Auto, Modern Man Barbershop, Canadian Club, Manitoba Bottery, and Aquatech, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg Gold Eyes, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, and of course the great taste of Little Brown Jug, and nothing goes better with the weekend than an ice-cold Little Brown Jug. Let's get Remus in here to get this show on the road. What's going on? How are you? Feeling good, ready for the weekend, uh, some nice weather, ready for a little afternoon CFL, and I'm ready to get this going with you. And a number of topics here to discuss on a Friday in between uh, and during the MLB All-Star break. What a great time of year for sports. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, we'll get to the why not question of the day a little later on in the program, or who knows, maybe in this first segment. But right off the bat, we should give a, a shout-out to everyone that jumped in our contest for the Seabears tonight. And i uh, got to give a thanks to our pal Trevor Knott, of course, Knott Autocorp, big sponsor and partners of the Seabears. Hit me up after the show last night and said, dude, we've got four courtside seats for tonight's game. And uh, we did an Instagram post. We had a great response, close to 200 people jumping in. 
and we did a couple of uh, random selections before the program as we had a 12 o'clock cutoff. We want to get these tickets out to people. So thanks to everyone that entered. And congratulations to Milzy7815 and Josh Norris Meme 44, who mm. were our winners. Now, uh, Remo, you've sent them both a DM? I have. Excellent. So, um, uh, guys, if you're watching right now, check your DMs. Um, and you're going to need to respond to us by about 3 o'clock when we're finished the show with your email so I can send you the tickets. Um, I guess this will be a fun night tonight. I mean, as I said, I've been uh, I've been on the DL all week, basically sleeping and doing two hours of broadcasting, and that's it. I'm hoping to be up to get out to uh, the Canada Life Centre tonight because uh, another chance for the Seabears to strengthen their grip near the top of the CEBL standings and get ready for that championship tournament towards the end of the season. Such a thriller on Tuesday night that ended up going the other way on that game-winning three-pointer for Saskatchewan. Um, and it's our pal Mo Khan's Alliance de Montréal coming tonight to take on the Sea Bears, And uh, it's been such a great a great uh, uh, season so far. But this is going to come and go quite quickly. Remo, seven games down, only three to go. Tonight at seven and then Sunday afternoon before the final home game on the 29th of July. So uh, I know the game on Tuesday sold out. I'm not sure where they're at today. But if you've been waiting and planning to go to a Seabears game, better do it soon. Yeah, and I just, uh, we did this giveaway on our Instagram. So make sure, you know, it's pretty last minute. You told me, hey, we got these tickets. How can we do it? So we just did it on our Instagram. So link to all our socials in the description. Make sure you're following, I don't know, all of them. There's, like, so many, uh, so many now. But Instagram, we do post on. And uh, this came out last night. And uh, shout out to the winners who were randomly selected this morning. And, yeah, the Sea Bears, what, uh, big sports night in Winnipeg. Has the Gold Eyes have had great crowds going back to Retro Night Wednesday. I oh, that saw was awesome. Last night, has also a strong crowd. And it was kind of, I think, tough for them coming out of, you know, the couple years not playing here. But... A lot of excitement, even though, you know, they're not playing that great uh, on the field as in past seasons. Uh, I think the experience of Shaw Park is certainly up there uh, for Winnipeg sports venues. And, yeah, you saw people coming out enjoying the nice weather. But head-to-head uh, -head tonight with the Sea Bears against Montreal. So big sports night in Winnipeg. Well, listen, I mean, it's just a great weekend. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that take off during the, uh, during the weekends in the summer. But if you're in town... Um, you've got some options. I mean, you can do both. We got Gold Eyes tonight, tomorrow, Sunday afternoon, and you got the Sea Bears tonight and Sunday afternoon as well. So, um, no, uh, no excuses. Uh, you've got the opportunities. Just a matter of getting out and doing it. And uh, of course, the experience at both of those uh, venues very different, but um, phenomenal in both. I'm looking forward to getting out to both venues. Hopefully, coming up this uh, this week. Um, listen, we're going to talk hockey with Ken a little later on. There's not really much going on in and around the National Hockey League other than Alex Galchenyuk's uh, off-ice mishap that apparently is going to cost him his contract with the uh, Phoenix Coy or the Arizona Coyotes. But Remus, we've got to talk about this football game last night. The Elks. The Elks have now done it. Tied a professional sports record 20th straight home loss 
And man, they did it in spectacular fashion last night. Um, in fact, can you get this clip, please? Obviously, we know my good friend Dustin Nielsen is doing a great job calling the Canadian Football League. This was certainly the play of the game. And I think in a lot of ways encapsulates what's happened with the Elks so far this season. Sorry, one second. I, I don't quite have it ready. I'll, I'll toss is, it up. Hold on. I want to make sure you can hear it. But yeah, I mean, what a game last night with the Elks and Hamilton. And one thing I still can't believe us, Edmonton was favored coming into this game. They hadn't won at home in 19 tries. Um, some insane value there if you were looking to throw down. But I think everyone just wanting the Elks to do it. And this is how it looked and sounded last night on TSN. Quarterback right where that linebacker was. Here's Cornelius in trouble trying to get away. He will not. Oh, what is he doing? What is he doing? He throws it away. It's picked up and brought back by Captain Donovan. What is happening? The Ticats strike again. Oh, my goodness. That was um, that was an all-timer there, Reem. The left-handed throw. And the funniest thing is we don't have it on the clip. If you hung around about 20 seconds later, I think Dusty followed up with, if you're wondering whether Tra- Taylor Cornelius can throw with his left hand, he can't. And that, of course, was right after they gave up a touchdown. And they were very much in that game throughout the first half. In fact, arguably, they should have been up after the first half. They weren't. You give up two touchdowns, bang, bang, the way that goes. Uh, just the story of futility that is Chris Jones, Edmonton Elks. Their next games are Winnipeg, BC, Winnipeg. I, I, Jeff Hamilton tweeted out last night, I don't know if they win a game this season. Certainly doesn't look like there's any any coming up soon. And they need one more home loss to uh, take that record from the old St. Louis Browns and own it by themselves probably forever at 20 and counting, soon to be 21 when they lose to either Winnipeg or BC. Ah, what is he doing? Oh, my God. <laughs> He's going to the end zone. Oh, that's my, uh, my dusty impression there, you know, when he gets into his excited voice. I never tried that one before, but how can you nod after a call like that, and it kind of looked like Edmonton, they were going to win. They were in the game. You know, Hamilton scores, they're driving, and next thing you know, you know when you're throwing the ball while getting sacked, uh, not ideal timing, and it kind of just, from that play, it really just unraveled for them. They're not a good football team, making a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, it's just, it's kind of sad because we've said it all week, they have such great fans there. They're one of the Western cities that fully supports the CFL, and they just haven't had a good product there the last couple of years. And, you know, speculation about Chris Jones getting fired, I think we talked on this show that because of the cap on what front office, he's not going anywhere. So they're kind of screwed uh, going forward. And I agree that it's going to be tough for them to win a game. And, you know, I'm trying to pull up the CFL website for, like, stats, and that's a whole other story. And I was following oh, the how, game. How's that going? How's that going? How's, well, how's our friends at Genius doing with the, uh, with well, the CFL stats right it's now? It's funny. You know, a lot of us do prop bets or fantasy, and we were trying to follow the live scoring on CFL.ca last night. For the entire game, both quarterbacks were one of one passing, but they did eventually get it sorted out. But uh, I think this is – I still think – you know, that's a side note to 
the Elks last night is just the CFL stats, not usable, non-existent. They're not even referencing any numbers on the broadcast because they don't have them. Oh, um, we had a conversation. I mean, we had Marshall Ferguson on yeah. the show yesterday, and we were talking to him off air. And I was asking him about just how difficult it is. And, and he said, listen, I mean, on these games where they're not getting live stat updates, they've got a guy in the booth. I mean, it's it's the guys that are behind the scenes that are really up against it. I mean, literally getting a pen and paper and writing down everything and basically putting it together like we were in the 1930s or 1940s. Mm. Uh, I, I know that they said that it's coming around. I, I, I mean, it's 2023. I, I just can't wrap my head around how we are six weeks into this season and it still isn't fixed, Remus. I mean, this doesn't seem like like counting the stats as it happens in a game. Like, I've never heard about this anywhere else. It is, it's a complete embarrassment for the Canadian Football League. And I'm a huge supporter of the CFL. I always try and stand up for it. But, I mean, I don't even know what to say at this point that we are still dealing with no live stats. And even well after the fact, they're not available right now. And uh, it's inconceivable that that is the case right now in 2023 with a league that's trying to take big steps forward, especially after we heard about this big partnership with this genius company that was going to revolutionize. Well, they've revolutionized it all. uh, All right. They've revolutionized it in reverse. And um, the team's the fans and the broadcast are all paying the price right now. It's crazy. And I think what made it worse for me was when Randy Ambrosi came out a couple weeks ago and said it wasn't a failure. I know Wade Miller acknowledged in his um, chat with Jeff Hamilton that, you know, there were some issues and it's going to be better. And that's fine. It might be better. But right now, uh, the stats aren't existent. You go to the player pages on the website. They're not there. And... I think part of it is there's just no communication from the league. If they had come out last night during the game and said, hey, we, you know, we know it says both QBs are one of one. Uh, we're working on it. But they, they're silent. They don't acknowledge there's a problem. They don't say what they're going to do to fix it at all. They haven't given us a timeline. Like pe- People who are fans want to follow the league and want to follow the games, and you simply cannot. The broadcasters aren't able to do, do their jobs Again, this is the number one story of the CFL season to me. I mean, maybe people would disagree with that, but I think it's a huge issue. And I don't know, they got to get, you know, when you want to promote what fantasy and, and gambling and all that. It's just league interest, league, like league interest. Like you can't, and they haven't done anything about it. And and listen, I mean, and, and as I said, the broadcast is suffering. I mean, normally you would have a thing that would show up. Taylor Cornelius is two for 15 for six yards and three picks. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd have that up on the screen. Well, that's not the case. I mean, there's nothing like that that really helps the viewer, especially if you've got it on in sports bars and stuff like that, that where you might not have the volume on. I don't yeah, know. The thing, too. It me away. How is DraftKings getting the stats? I don't know. Are they just doing it themselves? Their live scoring wasn't working last year. I wasn't watching. I know at one point they had Cornelius with like 100 punt return touchdowns uh, <laughs> yesterday. So some, I don't think theirs, theirs is completely 100% accurate. One thing Randy Ambrosi said too is like that they would have to like pay. like and it, They wanted to keep the old system, which they probably should have in hindsight, until this new one was ready. They have to pay an additional stat. I mean, what's the cost of additional stat person? 
for four games a week. Uh, I don't know. Just this doesn't make any sense. I don't think they've they've done anything to get any confidence. This is going to get fixed anytime soon, and it's just just disappointing because I was able to follow the games last year on my phone. They had perfect play by play, perfect stats all the time, and um, I think it's really a downer. I was actually going to say I was kind of surprised as the CFL hasn't take didn't take more advantage this week of the off week with um, no sports with no MLB. Like, why not have a Wednesday game after the All Star break when like there's no other games on and like promote that? They had a game Thursday and Friday. Well, I mean, it is professional football. I mean, you can't be going. I mean, at a certain point, you do need to give these teams time to rest. You do need to give these times teams to, time to practice. Like, I think rushing teams in on really, really short weeks, which happens enough as it is, does not put the best foot forward of the teams and the games. I mean, even having games on Thursday, I think, is about as as early as you as you can possibly do it. And, you know, we're seeing right now some pretty bad brands of football by a number of teams right now in the national in the Canadian football league. I mean, how would the Elks look with one last day of practice last night? I guess it could be. Much I mean, worse. you could what? You could have a the team that played Thursday and Friday and have them play the next Wednesday. No, they in NFL what they do Sunday, there's they make and, they play Sunday, and make them play. It Thursday. does make a good point. I mean, if all you care about is television, I guess there's a, something to be made for that. But even the Thursday games are more of a struggle to fill the stadiums. That's true. The middle of the week. Um, I can tell you if the Bombers said all of a sudden they've got a Wednesday night game, yeah. I don't think that would go over um, that well with season ticket holders and um, certainly on individual ticket buyers. I think you definitely would take a little bit of a hit That's at, the, at the gate. Speaking of taking a hit at the gate, I was talking to Tommy Gazzola, and he said that was the most miserable um, just atmosphere scene that he's ever seen at Commonwealth last night. And, you know, we've talked a lot about how badly this sinking ship is in Edmonton for a team that has always had some of the best support in the Canadian Football League. He said there was 10,000 maybe there last night. And I think that was a real stretch. And, you know, we've talked about this before. And, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what bombing has to say about it. But, you know, with the inability to clean house, not that there's a lot of guys, I think, knocking on the door that could come in and turn things around midseason. But Chris Jones is basically there. I mean, he's got the three. He's, good. he's the DC. He's the head coach. He's the general manager. If he's gone, um, as I said, there's no way you can fill all those roles, and there's no money to do it. So it, 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 this is going to be a, a story. Um, and I know Tristan Rivers said that he's got a bad feeling that the Bombers might be the team that breaks the streak. Tristan, I hope you were very much wrong in that. That would be something else, though. And maybe that's the way that it will end. I mean, BC or Winnipeg going in there and just being completely overconfident and the Elks finally having a few things go right for them. But um, this is this is already a lost season for the Elks. And the big question is simply, when will they win a game? And will they be able to win a home game as they continue to add to an all-time home futility record, not just for the Canadian Football League, not just for football, but for professional sports. It's uh, it, it, it really is, it really is incredible. But it, it just goes to show you, um, you need quarterbacking, 
and Taylor Cornelius is not the guy, he's now 0-13 at home as part of this streak, Remus. And they're still sticking around him. <laughs> T-Will is genius, also responsible for setting up WST's next suit show. <laughs> Have we been delayed on that? I think we owe one from, <laughs> um, from, from the start of the Jets season. We do. We probably we are, do. We are we'll overdue. But here, here's a picture, Gary uh, Modijong of the Edmonton Sun posting this. They got the paper bags on their heads. And Edmonton now. I saw a bunch of these on Twitter. So uh, I, I don't know how this is going to go, but they're, yeah, they're not going to win a game anytime soon. And uh, people wanted to believe that's why the line shifted and they were favored against Matthew Schultz, who got hurt and his backup came in and immediately threw a touchdown pass. Uh, it just wasn't a great one for Edmonton, but it was, I guess, entertaining. Oh, what was that guy's name? Powell? Yeah, pal. I got to yeah, verse myself on all these CFL backup QBs. How about that? You're sitting there in Edmonton where no one can complete a pass. No one can do anything right. And the third stringer for Hamilton comes in and throws a beautiful touchdown pass on his first pass in the Canadian Football League. <laughs> it's just salt in the wounds. Yeah, it's pretty pretty rough. So we'll see what happens with Edmonton's quarterback going forward. But um, not a great situation. You know, we talk about the East being the what JV division or the West, you know, everyone props everyone up Edmonton playing, uh, you know, playing Owen sticks and what's Saskatchewan. Two of their wins are against Edmonton. And that's why we think that they're having the debate. Are they good? Well, and that's sort of why I'm going to give, I, I will be taking Calgary on the weekend um, because I still don't really believe in the riders. I mean, yes, they are three and one, two of those wins by a whisker over this Elks team that, well, we saw what they're made of last night and uh, have been throughout the year. We'll talk a little more CFL with Bauman coming up uh, in a few minutes. Let's get to this Galchenyuk story, though, Reem. I think there was a lot of, I mean, listen, everyone was wondering what the hell is going on. You sign a guy on July 1st and terminate his contract on the 12th of the same month. Uh, but it has become clear that, um, indeed, there were some uh, off-ice shenanigans. Uh, and it sounds like somewhat serious. I mean, a number of charges in Scottsdale, Arizona, on Alex Galchenyuk, a hit and run. Luckily, no people hurt, but there was some property damaged. Uh, and he's had a star-crossed career since he was a very early pick in the NHL draft. And um, I, if this was his last chance, I think that last chance has just left the building. And, uh, well, I guess Arizona will be looking for another player, another warm body to go and ice a team at Mullet Arena next year. But... Um, it is quite sad because I do believe he's had some substance uh, issues off the field or off the rink. And, um, you know, if you thought that this was a little bit of a chance for redemption going back to Arizona to see what he can do, doesn't look like that's happening right now. And, uh, you know, honestly, a sad story of a lot of wasted talent in a guy like Gelchenyuk. Yeah, third overall pick in 2012. Played a lot of games. 654 games, 208 points, and it seemed like off he was off to such a great start in his career. 30 goals in his fourth season with Montreal, 56 points, and uh, could never quite recapture that magic. Uh, bounce around, you know, if you're going to use him on Puck Doku, has Montreal, Arizona, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Ottawa, Toronto, Arizona, oh. and Colorado. When in doubt, just throw Galchenyuk in when you just need to take a Hail Mary swing. I'm might have to put Galchenyuk in my Puck Doku uh, back pocket. 354 points in 654 games. And here was this was right after the show. Katie Strang 
tweeting this, that the Scottsdale Police Department had confirmed to The Athletic that he was arrested July 9 on a number of charges, including private property, hit and run, disorderly conduct, failure to obey, uh, resist, resisting arrest, threatening or intimidating. You think he dropped the, do you know who I am? Do you think that was part of the, Oh, you think that was in there? Anyways, on the hit and run incident, police said it was only, only property damage and no injuries. Jail officials said he was booked into city jail on Sunday evening and released the following day on his own. According to court records, he was arranged on Monday. They got a pre-trial, a pre-trial conference August 11th, so I don't know what's going to happen there. I think the NHLPA's been made aware they're dealing with this. So, Well, I guess the big question is to whether they can just kind of arbitrarily cut him, terminate the contract, yeah. and walk away. They may have had, because of some other things that he's had in his past, I mean, there may have been some clauses in his contract that if he got popped for anything, they were able to do that. Um, but certainly the PA will look out for the best intentions of their, um, you know, of their client. If, if there's a way they can get him the money, uh, bottom line is he's not going to be playing next year. And I don't think anyone else in the NHL is going to be touching him anytime soon. Reem. No, I think they'll wait for that to resolve. If anyone does want to give him, uh, give him a chance. There was one other player who's had a interesting off ice history has, who was put on waivers today. I'm assuming for a buyout and it was the flyers with their transaction. Uh, announcing Tony D'Angelo has been placed on unconditional waivers. And there were rumors that they were trying to trade him to Carolina, where he was previously. But Danny Breers really came in and cleaned house, trying to move out a lot of salary. So that was, I guess that was a surprise, but maybe also speaks to the trade market where teams don't really or aren't able to add salary right now. Well, and, and listen, there was a trade between Philly and Carolina earlier in this offseason that didn't happen where Philly was going to eat half of the salary and trade him back to Carolina and that wasn't allowed I believe there's a rule where once if a guy has to be longer than a year that wasn't the case bottom line is they're now just cutting ties with him he of course was benched for the last five games of the season Tortorella hated him he didn't like torts much I mean, can the guy play? Absolutely. Is he a pain in the ass? Yes. Um, so Carolina can now get him for free um, and probably at a much lower cost right now. Um, you know, that's another guy that just has a real checkered past and uh, is a bit of a, uh, he's a little bit radioactive when it comes to uh, a, a number of things outside of what he brings as far as a player on the ice. I mean, he certainly can probably help a team win some games. But Philly, certainly where they're at, trying to build, um, you know, a new culture, sound familiar. I don't think they want a guy like uh, like Tony D'Angelo around, and obviously they're going to pay the price to do exactly that. All right. Um, so here's to come: Hacksaw Hamilton, Ken Weeb, and Darren Bombing coming up in just a minute. Of course, the Bombers taking on the Ottawa Red Blacks tomorrow at 3 p.m. And following our program today, there will be an edition of Bonfire Winnipeg Blue Bomber Game Day with Bombing and with Chris Walby. But before we bring in Darren Bombing to talk a little blue and gold in the game tomorrow and certainly get his thoughts on the Elks, let's give a uh, quick shout out to uh, some of the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen every day. 
Big thanks to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Modern Man now has eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations on Pemina Highway and Plessy Road. Modern Man, guys, has you covered for whatever you need. Haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look and make an appointment via modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow on Instagram as well, at Modern Man Barbershops. Uh, Hey, we've got some more heat coming up over the next few days. Great time to get into a pool. Don't have one? Why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge? Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. The Aquatech team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home rentals start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of renovations as their foundation, let them upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. And hey, with school out for the summer, this is the time of year where uh, you spend time with your kids away from school. And you know who else deserves a big shout-out right now? The parents who spend the last 10 months keeping up with busy school and sports schedules for kids. And now for a short time, the schedule slows down. And the team at Manitoba Battery wants you all to enjoy the free time. Enjoy the break and unwind however you see fit. And if your summer fun includes anything that might need a battery, let Manitoba Battery look after you with low prices and free delivery anywhere in Winnipeg. Save big money, save time. That's what it's about at Manitoba Battery. They've got summer fun deals going on right now. So when you need, go to manitobabattery.com and let Donnie and his gang help you enjoy this one time a year when you can let life slow down a bit. Um, and hey, by the way, speaking of slowing things down in the summer, if you're looking for a great cocktail to enjoy that downtime, check out Canadian Club and Ginger Ale. Uh, maybe you've tried it at a bomber game. Maybe you've seen people getting it. If you haven't had it already, you can pick it up at Manitoba Liquor Marts. You could also get it at your local beer vendor, Maybe when you're thinking about something a little different. It's now available in 473 milliliter cans and available in six packs. And of course, the great taste of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey and the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Canadian Club, also available at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. All right, good stuff. Let's uh, get to uh, tomorrow's game and maybe a little Sea Bears action tonight too, because uh, Darren Bombing doing a little double duty today and this weekend. Bombing, are we going to be hearing your uh, your pipes uh, at Canada Life Center tonight when the Sea uh, Bears look to uh, book their spot in the championship tourney at the end of the season? Yeah, double duty. I wouldn't have it any other way. I will be calling the Sea Bears game tonight, doing the PA, the starting lineups, all all that sort of thing. Uh, I'll be honest, it is the most fun I have ever had working in sports. Like just to to feel that energy, it being basketball, to be a little bit more of a fan compared to a reporter, like, uh, you know, covering the other teams. Uh, It's so much fun. John Godez and myself have split the PA duties in this inaugural season. This is my last game tonight. So really looking forward to the Alliance and uh, the Sea Bears with Montreal's first trip to, to Winnipeg. Yeah, and just before we get to the Bombers, it was a absolute, uh, I mean, a heart-stopping end, which you often get. But, I mean, the game on Tuesday with that, it was 96-all, first team to 97-1. And that was a prayer three-pointer from Saskatchewan that went in. Um, but, oh, my God, that was just such a hell of a game. And to me, that 
completely encapsulates the rules that FIBA and now the CEBL have used. And, um, you know, at the same time, just while we're talking hoops for a minute, have you seen Canada's roster for the upcoming FIBA? Like, Canada, this is such a great time for basketball to be growing and having our own national league because we have so much talent from a... Like, just from a national perspective, when it comes to international hoops, like never before. I mean, we're going to have a backcourt of Jamal Murray and Shai Gilgis Alexander. I would literally put that backcourt up against any team in the world. And then you look at guys like RJ Barrett and Kelly Olinick and Lou Dort. Like, this extended World Cup roster has the potential of doing things that would never have even been conceivable. In the past. And I think this goes back to the Raptors. And, you know, you get 20 years on from having this team in. Um, you know, I, I wasn't surprised at how this city was going to react to basketball and having a team. But I think it is a it's a greater microcosm of what's happened all across Canada. And uh, it's been a lot of bit been a lot of fun downtown throughout this season, yeah. especially with the way the Sea Bears have played. But I think I mean, if you were buying stock in a sport in Canada, yeah, hoops right now I think is a uh, is a smart buy. Yeah, you'd buy low and and you'd sell really really high. It's not even that low, you know, relatively speaking. But you know, when when you go to Sea Bears games, the crowd looks and feels so different than any other sporting event in Winnipeg. So um, you know, I, I love to hear how Canada is just stepping its game up. It's no longer America. And then the rest of the world, you, you look at some of the best players in the world. They're from all corners of, of Europe and Africa and, and, and North America. And uh, I, I'm glad that Jamal Murray and, and the rest of the guys in the NBA, that that other backcourt player you, you mentioned, he, didn't he didn't he get an MVP vote this year? Like, yeah. Gilgis Alexander. Yeah. yeah. He's an absolute stud. Yeah. So, you know, to, to see Canada put those pieces in place, uh, maybe we can start making some noise uh, internationally. And maybe there's no more of this dream team USA and everybody else. And, uh, you know, we start getting a little bit of parody, but uh, you know, the sea bears, the, the dramatic finish you talk about, like Saskatchewan's got some players, man. Uh, the one guy, their, their, their shooting guard, Nuga, I think is up for CEBL most valuable player this season and yeah they were hitting some shots winnipeg was was up against it but the way that they roared back at the end and to lose by one point hey you know they they easily could have won by one point as well but just the, the dramatic finish that uh, elam rule or target score that they call it for people like I, you know i go to the games and i'll sit in the stands or if i'm working just people be like, how does this target score work? What is this about? You tell it to them. Oh, okay. And then they see it happen. And as they're walking out of Canada Life Center at the end of the Sea Bears game, they're like, that was awesome. That is the way basketball should be ended. Uh, it's just been electric inside that building. Well, and I think they're using the uh, the target score, the Elam ending, whatever you want to call it, in the uh, in the summer league as well. Oh, I, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if in four or five years, this is just simply the way basketball is played well i guess we'll find out i'm, I'm glad to hear that because the nba right now is really the only elite level basketball in the world that doesn't use it so maybe that day's coming that'd be great um that being said we'll uh, look forward to this game tonight and sunday afternoon but uh listen just before we get to bombers red blacks uh, <laughs> did you see the elks last night <laughs> i mean 
Listen, as I said before, I feel for a lot of the folks in Edmonton. It's a great CFL market. This is absolutely, I mean, this is a disaster. It is bottoming out their fan base. They had a terrible crowd last night. And frankly, I don't blame them. I think Victor Quee's, you know, always optimistic. He's got a great attitude. He's doing everything they can to keep people believing in this team. Um, but this is just an absolute embarrassment, and it is on Chris Jones. They haven't got a quarterback. The team's been poorly coached. I mean, look at how they lost the last game, the penalties they took last night. Um, just an absolute disaster for one of the charter franchises of Canadian football, Darren. As an objective observer, watching all of the games that I can, pretty much all of them so far this season, it's almost like it hurts so good to watch Edmonton. And I, I say that obviously tongue in cheek. I feel for the fans. I feel for the, the players on that team and, and a lot of people in that organization. You're right. Their new owner, relatively new owner, Victor Cui, has done everything he can to garner and, and um, you know, elicit a response in the community, having to change the name from Eskimos to Elks uh, a couple years ago and, and to ensure that the brand remains strong and that, you know, people stay dedicated to their team. But when you go 20 straight games without winning at home and you're missing the playoffs year after year, and now we're entering, you know, a third season of Chris Jones as general manager, head coach, and defensive coordinator. It's an advantage in one way. It's a huge disadvantage in another way. And we're seeing it now where if a team kind of goes off the rails like the Edmonton Elks have, they're handcuffed. I, I don't know what they can do to make a change. You know, G. Roy Simons, the uh, assistant general manager, I don't know if they have a, a ton of, uh, you know, head coach caliber or, or experience in the staff under Chris Jones in order for somebody to, to, to take over, to change the message. I don't know if that would work. Uh, all due respect to, to that coaching staff, but just no, nobody well, there's there. no money to do it. He's the DC. He's the general manager. He's the head coach. And you there's would, a cap on salaries. You would have to hire internally. So who is it going to be? I, I don't know. So, you know, they're, they're between a rock and a hard place. They're over a barrel. How, whatever cliche you want to use. Uh, I feel for the fans. Um, but the Edmonton Elks, you know, it doesn't matter who's at quarterback. It doesn't matter who's healthy, who's in, who's out. They have pieces in place. They just find ways to lose. And that tells me that that team's belief, that team's mentality, that team's coaching is poor. Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's no doubt about that. And uh, Ed Hervey looks pretty good for that 2015 championship team for uh, <laughs> everything he did as a GM right now because uh, – with a different GM and the same coach and coaching staff, it is an absolute disaster. Oh, and they've got Winnipeg, BC, Winnipeg in their next three games. Um, speaking of Winnipeg, let's get to it. By the way, I love that handled internally uh, message. The new handled internally is up at the Bombers, and it is Sergio Castillo. So check that over at the uh, Bombers site. Our pal Ed Tate doing a great job with that, and Eddie's going to join us on Monday to uh, recap the game on the weekend um we've got the starting lineup out um uh, ready for tomorrow's game there's a few guys that we were sort of wondering whether they were going to be able to play darren and uh overall looks pretty good particularly from a receiving standpoint with Dick dembski missed a couple days of practice he seems to be ready to go in a starting position and no surprise that Greg McRae is still part of the equation after the monster game he had last week against the Stamps. Yeah, all things considered, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in good shape health-wise. 
uh, really top to bottom. You know, Nick Dembski, a more veteran player, even a young player like Brady Oliveira, they watch that load management. They, you know, watch uh, the wear and tear on their bodies during the week. They give them the time they need to ensure they can perform when it matters. And that's when the gun sounds and, and uh, you know, it's live bullets between the lines on, on the gridiron. So, um, you know, this past week, it was a whole bunch of guys returning to practice and it had fans excited, right? Kyrie Wilson, who had an Achilles injury 12 months ago. Well, he's back to doing some change of direction drills. You had Jamal Parker kind of taking part a little bit. He started nine games as a DB for Winnipeg last season. Winston Rose, multi-time all-star back working with the first team defense at boundary corner. Were they going to have to, you know, were they going to make a change this week? Um, no changes in regards to those guys uh, on the six game injured list. I think it was probably expected and, and smart to give these guys time, get them into practice, even give them practice next week. It's a short week before Edmonton comes to IG field. Uh, what is it next Thursday? And uh, then they get a bye week. So they've got that time to get some reps in, to be in football, real football activities with their teammates. And then when they come back from that bye, it's a monster game, Hustler. Monster game. August 3rd at IG Field. BC Lions back in town for a rematch. And you know Winnipeg is going to come full of juice for that game. Oh, listen, I... I... We could spend half an hour a day on this program for the next two and a half weeks talking about that yep. matchup in that game. Um, but in a lot of ways, Darren, I think that loss, and you know, we had Brady Oliveira on the program earlier this week. He was pretty frank about it. He said they got whooped, and they did. Yep. And that, in a lot of ways, has created, I think, you know, some intrigue and maybe the narrative about this Winnipeg Blue Bomber team that especially on the defensive side of the football has looked so good over the course of the past two weeks after that loss where they gave up 30 at home. But a big part of it was on the offensive line as well. I mean, Zach Caleros, Zach Caleros was on his ass um, more than we've seen probably all season uh, in that football game. But, you know, in credit to the, the leader, and Marshall Ferguson talked about this yesterday. I mean, yeah. that's a former quarterback. It was a good hit. For Zach, you know, to be getting hit the way he was and being down, there's a lot of other players would would show frustration, would be looking around at his teammates going, what the hell's going on? And he never did that. And, you know, much like the Bombers, you know, early on, took a couple shots from Calgary last week in the first quarter, they have the composure of a championship team. And I think we saw that in spades, the way things progressed yet last week in that second half. And in a lot of ways, I think you can kind of, you know, if that's happening in a game, if you think of a game, the first half of the season is sort of a game. They took those hits from the BC Lions earlier on. They're maintaining their composure. They're back doing what they're doing. And, um, Listen, I mean, they've got a challenge in, in an Ottawa team that, you know, is a huge underdog at home because of the disaster they've got at the quarterback situation because of the injuries. But for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, it seems like they have not forgot what happened against BC, and they are continuing to try to get better each and every series, each and every quarter, leading into next week against Edmonton, and then a little bit of rest, and then probably the biggest week of practice this team has had in a long, long time, getting ready for... BC in that first game in August. Yeah, you're absolutely right on, on all of those points. The, the Blue Bombers resolve that they showed being down 11 to one 
and going on to score 23 points and, and win that game uh, 24-11. Just showed that the Blue Bombers have the coolest of metal between their ears. And when it comes to Zach Kolaris, like, Zach Kolaris is a freaking leader, man. That guy just knows exactly what to do to ensure that his team and his offense and everybody around him has what they need to succeed. So he will take the bullet. He will take the hit. He will take the shot. And he is not going to say like, oh, you know, you, you missed your block or, you know, we, we, we weren't assignment sharp or whatever. He's going to do that in the film room when it's time to do that. He is going to get up off the turf, get back to the huddle and focus on the next play. Uh, that leadership is more than, you know, the, the you know, the uh, uh, remember the Titans speech in the locker room before the game. It's more than, uh, you know, leading by example. It's doing the little things that have everybody around Zach Kolaris comfortable because they know what they're going to get and they know what they need to do. So, um, you know, everyone is going to look at the numbers. Everybody is going to look at uh, sacks against and this and that. Look, Calgary's defensive line is a good defensive line. James Vaughters had two sacks in the first half. Uh, Mike Rose, that guy is a wrecking crew, one man himself, taking on double teams and, and just finding ways to disrupt at the line of scrimmage. There's good players and good good teams uh, and good units in the CFL. Winnipeg has generally been able to handle that, um, but it's about how you respond. If you get beat or if you're down in a game, it's how you respond and, and how you, um, you know, uh, turn that bad into a, we're not worried about it. We're on to the next uh, and into a good. So Winnipeg is just, the screws are so tight. You know, sometimes you say, well, the screws are a little loose. Things are kind of jingling and jangling. And you know, what, what's going to happen? The screws are tight. They can get down, they can get beat, but you know that they're going to come back and, and still play their best football, no matter what. That's what makes Winnipeg so scary. Hey, well, let's talk about the defense for a minute. Um, because my guy ADS, uh, who, what is it? Uh, Dorami Soiree. Yeah. I just like going with ADS. It's yeah, that good. much easier. He has, I, I think, gotten better every time he's been out and has gotten more and more confidence. And we often will talk about Willie J. And it was great to have Jackson Jeffcoat and Adam Big Hill. But man, it's Mario Houston turned into, I mean, not just a playmaker, but a guy that has, I mean, flipped the field numerous times this season. And, I mean, we look back and say, oh, well, Calgary didn't even get a point after the first quarter last week. I mean, that pick that he made in the second half, that game was very much a game at that point. If that ends up being seven for Calgary, we could be talking about a very different ending to the game. He took that ball and then gave the offense the opportunity to uh, suffocate Calgary. Um is Houston even better than he was last year? Is he just making more of the opportunities that he's getting? That's a good question. I, I was going to start with ADS to, to kind of just touch on him and get yeah. it out of the way. Uh, Abu Durame Soare, this guy is a friggin' athlete. He is really, really good. He is quick. He is fast. And those are two different things. And I've been impressed with his hands and his eyes. When the ball is in his vicinity, even if he's like his body is out of position, he finds a way to locate the ball and to get his hand in there um, and, and disrupt plays. For a rookie in the CFL to do the things he's doing, future is incredibly bright for Abu Durami Soare. Uh, Demario Houston, is he better than he was last year? He was really good last year. Let's remember when Winston Rose was healthy and Demario Houston 
was was healthy and and in his second season he took the number one cover job in the blue bombers defense away from a healthy winston rose so this season it was rose on day one of practice day one of training camp he's back to the boundary corner because of the injury that uh Demiru houston went through last year and it, it essentially ended his season um you know for Winston Rose to get that job back and not be Wally pipped uh, shows, you know, Winston in his now, you know, 30, 30 years of age plus uh, that, that he is putting in the work in the off season and all those sorts of things to ensure that his game is uh, where it needs to be. But Demario Houston uh, really looks like he's, he plays a very similar game to Winston Rose knows when to take chances and has a nose for the football. We all remember the triple tip, right? Or the two tips in the interception to lock in the, the Grey Cup win in overtime, right? In, in 2021 in Hamilton. Uh, Winston Rose was part of that play. And it's, uh, you know, sometimes he gets beat. Sometimes Demario Houston gets beat. You know, Houston was doing the same thing. You take a calculated risk. You take a chance. You almost dare the defense. Go ahead, throw it. And you're going to win sometimes and you're going to lose sometimes. We saw Demario Houston lose gambling in the preseason i wondered if he was going to be the same player he was last season when he was outstanding prior to injury and as the regular season has gone on and yes winston rose has been injured and and unable to play demario houston has elevated himself been consistent and just a nose for the football it goes beyond the interceptions he has been johnny on the spot with fumble recoveries and and takeaways so uh for for houston uh i put him on my youtube thumbnail this week hustler because that guy is just making plays and at the end of games like winnipeg had against calgary last week that's the sort of dude you go up to as a coach or as a teammate and you say here's the game ball you balled out today brother um awesome to see demario houston play the way he is well, and speaking of balling out, man, it was good to see Jackson Jeffcoat back last week. And yeah. he, I mean, he is such a difference maker. And it was funny because he didn't really show up on the stat line. I'm not really right. sure how that's possible. Although, don't even get me going on CFL stats. <laughs> We've spent enough time talking about You're preaching that. preaching to the choir, brother. Could just be wrong. Um, but holy smokes, is this a tall task for the young quarterback that's going to be behind center for Ottawa, knowing that... Jackson Jeffcoat's there, Jake Thomas is there, Willie Jefferson's there, and uh, the rest of the Bomber defense that's only given up 14 points in the last two games since an off night against the uh, the British Columbia Lions. But back to the offense. And one of the guys that Brady um, spoke about when he was on Winnipeg Sports Talk earlier this week and just had effusive praise for was Greg McRae who to me was the player of the game last week. I mean, that wheel route that he had the touchdown and that show-stopping 102-yard missed field goal return, two of the biggest plays in the game. Um, What's interesting right now is obviously they're still waiting for Kenny Lawler to come back, and we'll see when that is. I I would imagine it'll be relatively soon, but don't hold me to it. from where I'm sitting right now, Darren McRae is just playing so damn well that they're going to need to find another way to get Kenny Lawler on the roster because I don't think he can take 29 out. Yeah, as an American, it's going to be tough to to find a spot, but you know they're going to find a way. If if it's Rasheed Bailey, like I mean, he's one of the best blocking receivers in the CFL today. Oh. Same same with with Nick Dembski, right? So you know, with the way Winnipeg runs ball control when they need to, like we haven't even mentioned that. 15 play 96 yard drive that just ate the clock at the end of the game for nine minutes, 43 seconds. And Winnipeg just said, 
I don't care if it's, you know, uh, early in the fourth quarter game over guys. Uh, th- that is just absolute dominance. The way they were able to do that. That was the football version of a Python squeezing the life out of its prey. Exactly how I led the post game show. Uh, e- exactly how I led it hustler, which, which is, is funny to, to hear uh, because I-, I don't know if you could describe it better. And um to, to see how they do that and how they run the football, you need those guys to block. You need the guys to do different things. Be the threat of Dembski coming into the line of scrimmage, coming near the quarterback, working like a halfback. Not that he's always getting the handoff, like the jet sweep and that sort of thing, like the way Janarian Grant got hurt this past week and, and tough hit there. You know, Winnipeg healthy relatively, but losing him and, and him being on the six-game injury list is tough. But like they use Dembski, they've started to use Rashid Bailey. So I don't know if you can take Rashid Bailey out and keep Greg McRae and uh, Dalton Schoen and um, uh, Kenny Lawler all in the lineup. It's it's an embarrassment of riches. It's a good problem to have, but we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, uh, you know, the bye week is probably the first opportunity where they're going to sit down and say, okay, you know, should we put Greg McRae uh, in as, a, you know, a backup running back and rotate him in that way? Do we, do we make some changes uh, to the ratio to see if we can make it work? We'll have to see. Uh, Reda Cramdy on the one game injured list, he was ready to take over and start at the dimeback spot in place of an American Alden Darby. So if that ratio change happens and Winnipeg is comfortable with their uh, Canadian depth on defense, then maybe they can start another Canadian receiver. But then you got to decide if it's Drew Wolitarski, you know, is it Drew Wolitarski coming out? Or, you know, does uh, Johnny Augustine not make the roster? There's decisions to make, but uh, good problems to have, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. I guess at one point, you know, with Janarian out for the next little while, I mean, McRae is going to be returning kicks. Yeah. Um, you know, Him or Demario Houston, it looks like. And I mean, yeah. at that point, uh, you know, I think you basically you know, uh, when you need it, I mean, you can take players in and out and at least have him as an active player, an option to get it because I mean, you might not need him to be playing on every snap, right? but I think you definitely want to have him in there because he adds a wrinkle that, um, you know, as just another dimension to a bomber offense that has been, um, well, I mean, has so many weapons right now. And with the exception of that one game where BC showed that their defense is for real, continues to do it just and then quickly, there's Carlton Agadosi sorry to interject well, but you know like he, he's coming back from uh you know being a, a bit of a healthy scratch he's been on the one game injury list but he's been good to go and now he's back to to back up at wide receiver today so another guy that we know can be a huge impact player uh and kind of a unicorn in the way that he's built at six foot you know eight or whatever it is put it uh, up and let him go get it exactly so hey, you the know. fact of the matter is this team's pretty healthy right now and touch wood that continues but i think we all realize that probably won't be the case throughout the entire season so yeah. uh, as you said good position for this team to be in very different than ottawa is coming in um, what do you see uh, going in i don't know you and Walby are going to break the matchups down for the game and you kind of let people get to that after we're finished over on uh, bonfire game day um but I mean, listen, this is a game that, I mean, the Bombers are a massive favorite, nine and a half points, which you don't normally see even in mismatches on the road. But man, I mean, with the way the Bombers have played coming out of that loss, still playing an angry brand of football. Uh, I don't envy the young quarterback for the Ottawa Red Blacks and uh, what he's going to be facing going in. And I feel for Bobby Dice because he's such a great guy deserves better. And this would be a, a real interesting matchup if Jeremiah Masoli was going all guns blazing, yeah. but um, 
Tell you what, Crum's going to have a lot on his plate, uh, starting with uh, the two guys on the end of the Bomber defensive line. First things first, just as a football fan, all the football fans out there, it doesn't matter you know, what colors you, you wave as a, a fan of the Canadian Football League. That hurts to see Jeremiah Masoli go down. Uh, I thought he was somebody, I even put a little sprinkle on him, to be CFL MOP this season. Because, you know, I thought, hey, this, this is an opportunity. And the number was nice, right? Um, he's that highly regarded. Where his career goes from here, I don't know. I sure hope that if he wants to play, he finds a way to get back and play. But, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. He'll be 35 uh, in September. Um, as far as the Ottawa Red Blacks are concerned, yeah, Bobby Dice, like, great dude. Winnipegger, born and bred football guy here in Winnipeg. St. Patel Mustangs and, and all the way up now to, um, you know, his first full-time head coaching gig. He's been an interim before. Um, you know, it, it's been tough for him because it was Masoli, presumably. And then it was, okay, let's be a little cautious with him. We'll start Nick Arbuckle to start to begin the season. And Arbuckle was awful. And then they bring in Adams and he couldn't do anything. And, and now he's on the six game injured list. And then Masoli's ready to come back and he gets injured in his first game back 12 months to the day. Now it's Dustin Crum. And what we saw in Dustin Crum was actually pretty eye opening in relief of Masoli last week. He came within just a couple yards, scrambling late in the game as the clock expired, tackled by uh, two Hamilton Tiger Cats linebackers like at the two-yard line. They nearly got back into that game after losing Jeremiah Masoli early. And, and Crum did it with a league high for the week, 94 rushing yards. And yeah, a lot came on, on that final uh, run. But Crum has an opportunity right? Because Ottawa has nothing to lose. They're in a division where uh, a playoff position is theirs for the taking. Montreal started 2-0. and They're now 2-2 and and looking at 2-3, at, at and three, um, you know, th- this coming week. Do I got that right? Yeah, they're, they're looking at 2-3 and three this week as, as they got the Argos uh, coming, coming to Montreal. But for, for Ottawa and Dustin Crum, you know, they got a lot of injuries on both sides of the football, a lot of impact players. I think Crum, from what we saw last week, has what it takes to just be a scrappy football player and, and go out there and, and win some football games. Is it going to happen against Winnipeg? Probably not. Big fat spread on this one. I think it was 9.5 when it opened, Hustler. But can we talk about how great... This quarterback's name is Dustin Crum. Like you got a crumb in your duster. I hope this guy sports a mustache. <laughs> hey, not not a bad spot. I'm sure you and Walvi will touch on that and much more coming up. We'll look forward to a throwing a WST raid over your way right after the marbles are dropped on WST around 3 p.m. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you tonight, hopefully at the hoops game for a little sea bears action. Yes, sir. Can't wait. Take care. Huss. Have a great one. Good stuff. There's Darren bombing. And again, stick around right after Winnipeg sports talk. If you're with us live on YouTube, we'll send a raid over and join bombing and Walby for more bomber talk before tomorrow's 3 PM start in the nation's capital between the red blacks and the Winnipeg blue bombers. Going to get to a little hockey talk and, Check in on Ken Weeb's summer golf tour. But first, thanks to some sponsors, including our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. Got to thank our friends at Vita Health who have great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too, with barbecue season in full swing. Get on down to Vita Health and stock up on some delicious Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks. And, of course, they've got Guardian of Life formulas like Prostate Protect and Once Daily Men's to help support men's gastrointestinal health. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people that lead healthy lives. 
seven Winnipeg locations, and online with local delivery options at myvita.ca. Our friends at Wallace & Wallace are rocking this summer as Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist since 1946. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence, or if winter did a number on your old one, give them a call. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a buzz at 452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Caniston. Um, hey, our friends at F Apparel are ready for the summer and wedding season. Are you? If you need to up your menswear game right now, get on down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. In a wedding party, talk to them about a 15% discount for the entire wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. F's down at 190 Smith Street. Pop down and see them in person or find out more online or make an appointment at F. That's EPHapparel.com. And hey, a big shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk and a special happy birthday to Nick. We had a big one yesterday along with his twin brother. Um, and I'm sure they were crushing some of those delicious new summer blizzard flavors and maybe a blizzard cake for the big day for DQ Nick. Of course, if you do have a party coming up, you can order a custom blizzard or ice cream cake on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Otherwise, pop by and see them at DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, DQ St. Anne's, or DQ Neverville. All right, let's catch up and welcome in Ken Weeb, who's definitely living up to the Weeb's World moniker today. Weeber, where uh, where are we getting you at today? Yes, uh, afternoon, Huss. Uh, happy to be joining you from the Calgary International Airport, where a number of folks who attended the Stampede look like they could use a little hydration station here. Uh, very very similar to our flights home from Vegas, I would say. I can imagine. Uh, yeah, Calgary certainly uh, seems like the place to be. Have you been? Uh, have you been pulling off ten-hour shifts at the Cowboys Music Festival all week? What uh, What has brought you out there? Well, Andrew, you know the uh, it was a Manitoba Golf Tour 2023 road trip. Uh, a lot of golf, but uh, did get my first taste of the Stampede. Did not make my way to the Cowboys Music Festival, but uh, over at the Wild Horse Tent, uh, one of the nights there was a. Uh, Rogers uh, work function so it was nice to catch up with uh, a lot of colleagues and friends and uh, the sheepdogs were playing on the on the late shift so uh, but I, I was up the next day at 5 20 a.m for a epic 36 hole challenge that included about uh, 700 kilometers worth of driving uh, to Invermere to play Grey Wolf and then back to Banff to play Banff Springs uh, it was quite a quite a quite a lot of festivities. Uh, enjoyed a lot of golf. I think the final tally we had a lightning delay on Monday that knocked us off the course, but a grand total of 83 holes played over the four days and uh, one steady shift at the Wild Horse. That is uh, listen. That's amazing. And I mean, all jokes aside, um, there are few better places maybe in the world to go for a golf trip than uh, Alberta and. Uh, Sounds like you've been treated to some of the best of the best out West. Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, as you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be on the uh, score golf Raider panel and uh, it's opened up a few of the doors and yeah, just an absolute treat. Every course we played was, uh, was unbelievable. We played Curtis greens as well and Redwood Meadows. 
uh, a couple of those for like Pritis has had a bunch of events there and stuff. It's just one of the best facilities uh, in Canada and first, uh, first taste of Banff Springs for me. And also Grey Wolf was just absolutely spectacular. I mean, unfortunately there's a bit of the, uh, the forest fire smoke uh, interrupted some of the uh, scenic views, but yeah, posted a few things on the old Twitter machine and the Insta, and it was just an absolutely fabulous treat here to uh, unplug after now the development camp and free agency in the draft. Uh, when things have sort of subsided here, we know there's a few uh, a few fires potentially percolating, but uh, at a quiet time of the year, it was great to sneak out uh, for a few days for sure and uh, enjoy hey, some golf. Just before we get to this hockey, I, I need to rewind for a moment. I, I don't think I was aware <laughs> of that little tidbit that you slid in that you're part of the score course rating crew that puts together the top 100. How long has this been the case, and how did you get to be a uh, part of that? This whole Manitoba golf tour is making a lot more sense after you dropped that one, Ken. Well, yes, Huss. Uh, it's been a few years now. I, I don't know the exact number. I think it's we're getting close to the. I think uh, close to the five-year plan here. Four or five years. Uh, was fortunate. To, I, I guess a lot of the uh, the golf tour uh, got went not quite viral, but uh, yeah, I happened to know a few people on the panel, and they were looking for a little bit more Western Canada representation. So I uh, feel very fortunate to to be among that crew that uh, is able to get out and. Uh, provide a few uh, panelist ratings uh, here and there and uh, across the country. And yeah, it's been awesome to get a taste. I went from probably playing, uh, you know, three to five of the top 100 to, uh, I think we're, I, I'll have to do a final tally at all. That's my homework assignment for this week, Huss, to get ready for next Friday. I'll, I'll try to get a taste of how many of the top 100 I played, but it, it's a, it's a, it's a growing number. And as you know, someone who loves golf, we're, we're so fortunate in our province as well to have so many great courses uh, at our at our disposal, and it's been an awesome uh, summer on the Manitoba portion of the golf tour as well, as you know. And we were fortunate enough to play Breezy recently, and yeah, it's just uh, we're so blessed to to be able to get out on the great courses that we play. And it was great weather for this week. There was a little bit of pounding rain, but uh, we got mostly got lucky. So it's, uh, as you know, we love the sport, and uh, it's great to see it thriving uh, across the country here. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, let's get to this Jets offseason, Ken. And I think it's pretty clear right now that, you know, we are into the middle of July, free agencies uh, in the in the rearview mirror, as is the draft. The Dubois trades happened. Many other things that we thought might happen haven't. Um, how would you characterize where Kevin Sheveldayoff is at right now in the plan for next year? And... Um, I mean, do, do you have an idea of what the um, what the path forward is going to be over the course of you know the next two months, really, until players start getting here for camp? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we know we knew it was a lengthy to-do list for Kevin Sheveldayoff and his staff, and uh, you know he knocked off a couple of uh, major items. But we would also say there are quite a few more still either in flux or pending. So. Uh, it's interesting to see what the direction will be next. I mean, we know how hard it is uh, to make trades in the National Hockey League right now. One of the uh, supposed or proposed trades of Tony D'Angelo looks like it's falling through as he's been placed on unconditional waivers by the Flyers. So it's hard to move money. And what we know is that the Jets have a couple of valuable commodities that could or may or may not be moved in Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley, but not a lot of teams with $6 million uh, of cap disposal either available to them or uh, may be available, but if you get a $6 million item, it means you are going to have to sprinkle a lot of league minimum contracts around that player. So 
it's super interesting. There's a lot of teams in holding patterns, I guess. I mean, we would call them holding patterns. The people, the GMs don't call them holding patterns. But, I mean, having spent some time in Calgary here, I mean, they have a very similar buzz to Winnipeg right now, Huss, with, you know, what's happening with, uh, you know, the remain. what's happening with Noah Hannafin, I mean, what's happening with Elias Lindholm. So, I mean, the Jets fans are in a similar position. So it's been interesting to get a little bit of the temperature here. And basically, that's what the conclusion we've drawn without having anyone having to tell us this is that both the Flames and Jets can't be happy with the offers or they're still trying to convince some of these players that a future with them maybe is more of a possibility than either we thought or maybe the folks in Calgary thought going into this offseason with them being under new management. But yeah, it just the, the, the trade what I think this game of chicken is lasting a bit longer than we anticipated. I mean, there was so much buzz us around the draft and, you know, all these flood of deals we were expecting. And yes, there were some big ones, but there's still a lot of teams with some unresolved uh, issues on their to-do list. So uh, I don't have a great, uh, great handle on which direction it's going to go. I mean, what I know is that the jets will make, you know, as good an offer as they can to try to convince Connor Hellbuck to stick around uh, does he want to stick around? Will it be a money talk situation? We know he likes playing in Winnipeg, but I mean, he has a young family and he is an American citizen. So, I mean, there's going to be some draw to potentially being an unrestricted free agent for the first time when at a time where there's going to be more money in the pool next summer in the cap scenario. So, I mean, if you're Connor Hellbuck, there's really no urgency for him to get a deal signed unless he wants the, you know, the security of the eight year deal. And if that's the case, if you get the years given his age, he'll probably have to be flexible in terms of the AAV coming down a little bit, knowing that some of those later years are going to be in the 36, 37, 38 range. So uh, I still think that, I mean, we talked about this recently, there's a better chance that at least one and maybe both of those guys are on the opening day roster. I mean, I don't think the Jets will keep them beyond the trade deadline if there's no contract extension in place, but you know, that could be dependent on how the season's going. And in terms of Mark Scheifele, it's been very quiet. Uh, so uh, I don't have an update on that front. I mean, do I think that the Jets could start with Mark Scheifele? Absolutely. I mean, I think that Mark Scheifele is going to have a good year, uh, maybe even a great year, whether he's with the Winnipeg Jets or he is moved. Uh, I think that he is also not oblivious to what's happening in the marketplace. Uh, he sees what other guys are getting, including his former teammate and Pierre-Luc Dubois and, knowing his age is a little bit different than Dubois. But, I mean, there's a long list of guys, whether it was Bo Horvat last year or Dubois this year. I mean, if Mark Scheifele thought he was getting 9 or 10, I mean, the chances of that being in the 8s are a lot higher now than they were, you know, six months ago or a year ago. But these guys are still both valuable commodities, and the Jets aren't going to simply just hand them away uh, to say, hey, we got the check mark on the list, and our team is much worse from it. So... It's super interesting, Huston. It's a long-winded way of saying uh, we're still fascinated to see how some of these things unfold here. You know, we'll bring this back to the Jets in a minute, but I just want to get back to what you mentioned about Calgary because in a lot of ways, I mean, we're talking about a potential Shafley deal. Um, Elias Lindholm has sort of been a guy that we've looked at that that's a shoe that needs to drop first or the first domino before we can sort of get to, you know, where Shafley's at. From talking to your colleagues out there in Calgary, um, what is the sense of the uh, of, of of that team? I mean, is it likely that both of those guys 
similar to what people are thinking here in Winnipeg, might end up coming back to camp on expiring contracts? Yeah, it's certainly possible, Huston. I mean, I know that it sets off these big alarm bells and red flags for people, but like David Pasternak was in this exact scenario last year, Huss. He didn't sign before October 15th. He signed, I think, in January, right before the All-Star game. I mean, is it risky for you to have a 60-goal scorer on an expiring contract like Boston? Of course, but it didn't deter his play. And the Boston Bruins put together the best season in franchise history. So I'm not saying it's a parallel or apples-to-apples scenario for those guys, but, I mean, Elias Lindholm is a guy who could be the captain of the Calgary Flames, right? That's his value to this team. I mean, yes, we know it could be Michael Backlund as well, but, I mean, Lindholm is a guy who does everything for the Flames, including produce offense, and he's a great two-way player who's been on Selkie ballots. So, I mean, the thing for him is that he's coming in at $2 million less than Mark Shifley. So if you're one of those cap teams like Boston that's looking for center depth and center help, of course you're trying to see if you can get the cheaper version if his AAV on the next contract is going to be similar to Shifley's because it means you can have a $2 million player that gets added, or maybe you have, you know, you don't have to shed a $2 million contract, but I mean, that's why I say like these deals, if they were easy, Huss, I mean, we've all made them on social media, fans, media, everybody else, but if they were easy to make more deals would have been made already. Right. And, and the problem is not only that it's, if you're moving that type of player, you're trying to replace either a 42-goal scorer or a Selkie candidate in Lindholm. So it's really interesting. And, you know, I understand we've talked about a whole bunch of things as it pertains to Mark Shifley. And, I mean, Mark's a guy who has a lot of talent. He's been here for a long time. I mean, could he be looking for a change? Of course, that's possible. Um, Is it possible that the team needs to make a change? Of course, but... I mean, those things, those two things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive, I would say. Uh, so, but it does depend on what, what people are feeling like, like what's, what's Mark Shifley feeling about, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. Was Mark a guy who I'm not going to say felt threatened by Pierre-Luc Dubois, but there's no doubt that Dubois was coming for the one, a mantle in that one, two punch, right? Now that player is gone. So, and he hasn't been re- he's been replaced by guys may who may or may not be playing center. So, I mean, it's super interesting to me. All of a sudden, Mark Scheife looks around and sees what the market is. Like maybe he thinks the place he can make the biggest pay, payday is Winnipeg. I mean, we know he's been productive. I'm not saying this is the case and I don't have any inside knowledge of what Mark is feeling, but I mean, Mark's been a productive player for a long time. I mean, could he benefit from a change? Sure. I've said this before. I mean, his seasons have ended poorly in a lot of the years outside of 2018. So maybe, you th- I mean, I'm not saying it has something to do with where he's playing, but as a player, you only get so many chances to be an unrestricted free agent. So that's why I say, I mean, that's the same thing in Calgary. Like the players we're talking about Lindholm and, and Backland and Hannafin, they all enjoy Calgary, but a lot of them are in a situation where they're curious to see what it might be like elsewhere. And, and I think Hellebuck would be in that sort of same situation. I mean, he's loved playing in Winnipeg. That's a team that drafted him in the fifth round. He blossomed into a star. But, I mean, there's always some level of attraction to know what's out there on the other side, or at least to get a sense of what the market is like for you. Because, I mean, a lot of these players thought they were going to have cash in with big tickets, and they still will. But it just hasn't happened as quickly as we were anticipating. So... Yeah, it's it's an interesting time, Huss, because there's not a ton of information flowing. 
And usually when that happens, it means one of two things. It means it's either dead quiet or it means something could be in the works and, you know, it's just a matter of the next shoe dropping. But, I mean, as we know, the Jets aren't limited to just figuring out what they're doing with Shafley and Hellebuck. They still got to figure out what's going on on the back end. I mean, who's, who's, come, who's staying, who's going? Do you want to change the mix? So, I mean, the Jets don't have a ton of cap space, but they do have a little bit of wiggle room compared to some of the other teams. So I would expect that, you know, at some point there's going to be things happening. But I think there's also, like we said, that game of chicken, let's just use that phrase, like you're going to need to make a better offer if you want to get some of these players that that could potentially be on the market for Winnipeg. Well, Kenny, let me give you a scenario because I'm sort of with you. I mean, based on what we're, we've heard and what the market seems to be right now, uh, I'm not sure the Winnipeg Jets or Kevin Sheveldayoff feels that he's going to, if he's trading either of those players right now, is going to get the value that he needs to make a deal. And that's been one thing. He's been steadfast that he's not trading his players for 50 cents on the dollar, and I totally get that. So if those guys do come back, and it doesn't seem like they're going to be signing extensions here in Winnipeg, what happens if they're good next year? What happens if they're really having a good season? We get down to the nitty-gritty, come close to the trade deadline. How difficult is that going to be for management to navigate those waters, knowing that they have a competitive team? But if you trade a Mark Scheifele, if you trade a Connor Hellebuck, you're probably losing them for nothing. And in the situation that the Jets are in, and I would include the Calgary Flames, a smaller Canadian market, that is really, really tough. I mean, that, that hits a team like Winnipeg or Calgary way more than it would a team like the Boston Bruins. No, totally fair, Huss. I mean, in terms of the recruitment and all that, I mean, that's 100% accurate. And I mean, that it is part of the navigation that is incredibly challenging. But, I mean, Kevin Chevalier has always said it. I mean, we usually talk about it when it's young players who are RFAs. I mean, if you go bridge versus long term, well, there's always a risk that in that bridge, the guy pops and hits a, you know, 47 burger and then he's due for a huge raise. I mean, that's part of the risk. I mean, we saw it with PK Subban, right? And he cashed in. So what we know about Hellbuck is that he's going to cash in. It's just a matter of when, and then it will be a matter of where. And for him, I mean, a highly motivated Connor Hellebuck is a dangerous Connor Hellebuck, right? I mean, this is a guy who doesn't lack motivation to begin with, but all of a sudden Connor Hellebuck's being told, oh, maybe you're not worth $10 million. And you know what that will do for Connor Hellebuck? It will probably drive him towards another Vesna Trophy is what I, how I would see it. I mean, what does that mean for the playoffs? We don't know. What does that mean for an extension? I mean, if he plays great in Winnipeg, maybe Winnipeg goes north of nine and thinks, well, maybe we sh- our best chance is to go with a run with Hellebuck as our starting goalie for the next five, six, seven years, right? I mean, it's possible, of course. I mean, we know he his value to the Jets, but you have to find you have to have both parties have to want the same thing. And right now, we don't know if that's the case, right? We know the Jets are like Connor Hellebuck, but we don't know if they're comfortable paying him north of nine million dollars at, at age 35, 36, 37, 38. So it's just such an intriguing scenario. And as you as you said, Huss, I mean, I think at least in the goaltending scenario that we've been discussing, if the Jets have no choice but to move Hell, like so, let's just say it's a big difference between being first in the Central and battling for the wild card spot and being the 16th or 15th seed, right? Now, if you get to March 3rd or whatever it is, and you have to move Hellebuck, you have Brassois, 
as an insurance policy. And right now, I mean, would we call Vlad Nemesnikov the Shifley insurance policy? I mean, I'm not 100% sure, right? So uh, it is a scenario where it will be delicate to navigate. But at the same time, if those players are producing, that mean, if the Jets are doing well, those two players are producing. And that will only mean that their value is increasing either to the Jets or for their trade value, right? So, I mean, we always debate over when's the best time to get a player. Is it at the deadline? Is it in the summer? I mean, in the summer, there should be more teams that have more money available, so you're creating more competition. But when it comes to the deadline, you used to have teams panic at the disco and they're throwing first-round picks out the door left and right and center. But that's not happening as often anymore either if we're looking at the prices for the last few years. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it could put them in a real pickle in a bind, right? I mean, that that is 100% accurate. And we'll have to just see, right? I mean, that's part of the, the, the way things are going to unfold. I mean, I think that Kevin Chevaldev has always said, if players produce, they're going to get paid and they're happy to pay them. But at the same time, they're going to need clarity, as you're mentioning. I mean, we're looking into the crystal ball. It's still pretty cloudy. Kevin Chevaldev has to have the crystal ball crystallized and clear in order for these things to sort of come to their natural conclusion, whether that's here or elsewhere. Uh, it is a, a great point. Um, just, just quickly, I mean, I know you're talking with your media colleagues there. Do you get any? Uh, I'm just interested in what the vibe is around Calgary right now. I know the vibe right now around Calgary is a massive gong show with the Stampede, but as yeah. far as where, <laughs> considering what happened last year with the Flames, I mean, do you have an idea or uh, the media kind of filled you in on uh, where the fan base is on uh, their level of optimism? I mean, there's been some big, big changes but I'm not sure that their situation's gotten any better. Well, Huss, I would put it this way. I mean, and we're talking about the parallels between Winnipeg and Calgary. I mean, for all of the hand-wringing that we're doing, Calgary missed the playoffs by like one or two points. And that was after losing their hard candidate, uh, Johnny Goudreau, and they traded their best player in Matthew Kachuk, and they only missed by one. And Jacob Markstrom has went from being a Vesna candidate or finalist to being one of the, the poorest goaltenders in the NHL last year. And I personally think that Markstrom would be a great bounce back candidate for the flames next year. And again, uh, this is not an apples to apples situation, but Markstrom like Connor Hellebuck first time dad, you know, long, long pregnancy, everything else. Uh, I mean, Look at how Connor played the year after. And again, becoming a father isn't the only thing. Connor had had COVID and all those other things that impacted his training, and the Jets were terrible in front of him. But, I mean, for people who are saying, well, well, Hellebuck was only average this year. Well, he went from average to elite again. Can Jacob Markstrom be elite? I don't know, but they also have the best goalie from the AHL there, and they have Dan Vladar as an insurance policy as well. And so to me... Now, Calgary's an interesting situation because they're probably moving on from more players than the Jets did. But And also, look at how Huberto played last year, Huss. Huberto went from a Hart Trophy candidate to basically producing half the number of points because it didn't work with Daryl Sutter and he didn't click with his line mates and whatever else. He was transitioning to a new city, to a new conference, you know, felt all the pressure of the hefty deal. And they still only missed by like a handful of points. So Huberto's not going to be a 50-point player next year. He's probably going to be an 80-plus player 
Nazem Kadri is probably going to be back closer to the Colorado level. So that's the sort of the, the, the thing that we have to consider here. I know people say, well, oh, look, uh, Gaudreau left and the Flames were terrible. Well, the Flames weren't terrible. Like, they barely they barely finished behind the Florida Panthers who made the Stanley Cup final, right? So all, all to say that if the Jets have to move another core player or two, it doesn't mean that they're going to be bad or that they're going to be 30th in the NHL. It means they're going to look different and they're going to play differently, right? And that's the thing we've been talking about when we talk about the tra- trade with the LA Kings. The Jets are changing the complexion of their roster, but at the same time, you need some offensive production. So some of that production, obviously, is going to come from Gabe Velarde. It's going to come from a healthy Cole Perfetti. It's going to come from Nikolai Ehlers playing more games than he did last year. And some of it might come from Mark Shifley. And if it's not coming from Shifley, it's coming from someone who will come in for a trade for Mark Shifley, right? Is that player going to be a 42-goal guy or a point-of-game player right away? Probably not. But they're looking for guys who play the game hard, responsibly, and can produce. So that's what I mean. It's just such an interesting time uh, in terms of how Flames fans are feeling. I think it's an un, I don't know how they're feeling because the picture is not complete yet. Right. It's similar to Jets fans. I would see there's some optimism. I would say uh, Sharon Govich is a guy who's, you know, people don't know a lot about him. Right. He maybe rolled through town with the devils one time. They're like, well, what does he do? Well, he can skate. He, he's got some offensive upside, but he was a healthy scratch at sometimes in, in the playoffs. That doesn't mean like we were talking about the same thing for the Jets. A player like Sharon Govich can go to a place where he's not roadblocked by Jack Hughes or Jesper Brat. Maybe he can be a 20-goal guy. Well, maybe he can be a 30-goal guy. I'm not sure. But Craig Conroy wants the Flames to play faster. We know Sharon Govich is a better skater than Tyler Toffoli, even though Toffoli's been a more productive player for an awfully long time. So I think it's a similar situation. But I would say there seems to be some optimism. But until they know if Lindholm is going to commit, or if Hannafin's going to be traded, it's hard for Flames fans to really know how to feel, Huss, right? It sounds like they're going to yeah. get Shillington back after missing you know, all of last year. That's like getting a top four defenseman dropped back into your lap, right? So what's going to happen with Tanev, right? Is he going to sign? Is he, is he going to see a pathway to being successful with the Flames on his next contract? So the, I would say the two fan bases are equally optimistic, but also there's a little bit of trepidation because they're not quite sure what the painting, like the the outline of the painting is starting to look really good. But when you're filling in the, when you're filling in the shade and the, and the subtleties, there's still a lot of uh, things that are a little bit unclear. No no doubt about it. Kenny, listen, I know you got to jump on the bird right away. Just quickly before we go, I wanted to ask you about two remaining free agents. One in particular, you hearing anything about Matt Dumba? When do you make of his situation? And uh, while we're at it, uh, if you've heard anything on Tarasenko, I'd be interested to hear. Yeah, certainly interesting, Huss. I mean, I haven't, uh, haven't spent a whole lot of time working the phones this week. Uh, I'm going to just have to throw that out there. I don't want to BS to you. But, I mean, from listening to some of my colleagues, uh, you know, including Elliot, uh, the Arizona Coyotes are a team that's been tied to Matt Dumba. Uh, obviously, here they have a little more wiggle room when it comes to A, opportunity, and B, salary cap uh, availability. So for me, I, I still think Dumba would be a very good fit for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I also, I mean, again, not quite in the same vein, but I think Ethan Bear would also be a fit for the Jets outside of the fact that he's probably not available until December. But, you know, puck moving, right shot defenseman. Uh, I could see that if Dumba does go to Arizona, I could see the Jets making a, a, a bid on 
Ethan Bear, knowing that he would only be a second half player for them, but maybe they could see that as a, you know, you do the one year deal. I would think you don't do the one year deal. If you're signing Ethan Bear, you sign a two year deal, knowing that you want to, you think you expect to have him full time next season, right? So I still think Dumba, like Dumba's really a little bit more of a physical player. Um, to me, like Dumba still makes sense for the Jets, but they would have to clog up the logjam and find some money uh, before you can. Like Dumba's probably hoping for five million. Do it. I, I don't know if he's going to get it, and if he's willing to move a little bit in terms of salary demands, maybe it makes it easier for the Jets. But it's hard for the Jets to sign Matt Dumba without getting clarity on Brandon Dillon or Dylan Demello or even Billy Hanela. Quite frankly. Uh, no, it'll be. Uh, I I just found of all the guys that are unsigned, Dumba surprises me the most, just because of the premium and the rarity of the right shot D. You look at the other guys; he's twenty eight. Everyone else on the market's well over thirty. Um, but it'll be. We'll see what happens over the course of the next little while. Obviously, there's still many many balls to drop in this NHL offseason, despite. We're in the middle of stampede time as you come back. Listen, have a uh, have well, a safe sorry, flight back. One, sorry, one one quick one before I, I roll for the weekend here. I mean, and the other thing with Dumba, like it was the injury, right? The torn pectoral kind of set him back and his offensive numbers have really dipped the last couple of years. Like last year was a healthy scratch, I think two games, but that doesn't mean he is not a good hockey player anymore. It just means that when you're in one spot and your role changes, it can be a little bit tough. And you I mean, they brought in John Klingberg to run that power play that Dumba used to run last year. Right. So, and in terms of Tarasenko, I don't have a great feel. I know he's been linked to Ottawa. Uh, he's been linked in the past to the Islanders, Carolina. Like it all depends on the same thing. Term and money. What is he looking for? Does he want to do a one-year deal and pop and try to score forty with somebody and then try to cash in the next time? I mean, it's risky because because of his age. But this is a guy that's produced a lot. He's a Stanley Cup champion. Uh, he's going to go to a team that needs offense, I would imagine, and he's going to be given a big opportunity. So it, it all comes down to dollars and and cents there. Do I think he made sense for Winnipeg? I mean, he certainly would bring. He would certainly help the right side, right? I mean, he's a guy that can score. Um, I wouldn't say he's a banger, but he gets involved physically. Could he help the power play? Of course, but uh, it all depends on what he's looking for. So uh, I'll be curious to see where those two guys land. But I mean, yeah, they would be two of the marquee guys left, and there too. I, it's sort of similar to last year when Kadri is coming off an 87 point season and won the Stanley Cup. And all of a sudden he waited way longer than what he would have expected as a premium free agent coming off, you know, an unbelievable season. So Tarasenko's production has been a little bit up and down, but he's a consistent 20 to 30 goal scorer. So those guys are in demand. So it just all depends on fit and salary and term. Yeah. Ottawa intrigues me for Tarasenko, whether he'd be interested in there. They certainly have got a need now that uh, Debrinkat's a member of the uh, Detroit Red Wings. Kenny, Travel safe. Have a great weekend. We'll catch up next week. Sounds good, Huss. Thanks for having me. Uh, enjoy the CFL activities this weekend, my friend. Feel better. Big thanks to our friends over at Princess Auto. Looking forward to the uh, next Bomber home game and another Princess Auto tailgate party starting two hours before kickoff with $5 beers, three fifty pop, and hot dogs and great entertainment. Of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com.
A big thanks to our friends at Consolidated Supply for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Spicy, Joe, the gang down there, the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, and golf carts, both new and used as the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. We've also got other great options for your property, including amazing hot tubs and awesome outdoor kitchens. Not to mention, they are the experts and leaders in small engine parts and repair. Pop by and check them out and check out the new Consolidated Supply Showroom open to the public at 1395 Niagara Road East or find out more online at cte.ca. NFL season's just around the corner. All that new merch is coming into Royal Sports as well. Of course, you know they've got the best selection of Winnipeg Jets gear, Blue Bombers gear, all the new Seabears hats as well, and soccer merch from around the globe. Also, Toronto Blue Jays and every NFL team represented over at Royal Sports. And it's not just great merch. Take advantage and make the most of your summer with soccer, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, disc golf, and a huge selection of bikes. Pop down and see it for yourself, 750 Pembina Highway, and follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And hey, where's the best place to get together with friends for the big game? You know it. It's always your local Boston pizza. Enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, and gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu, including the new Korean barbecue chicken sandwich. And hey, if you're staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. And don't forget, folks, Gold Eyes are back. A six-game series with Cleburne all the way up from Texas, begins tonight. You can get out there and check out Goldeyes Baseball over the course of this week, but make a point of circling July 26th on the calendar and join us for our Winnipeg Sports Talk night. Great response so far. We've had to hold more tickets, but that's a good problem to have. Order yours now. 15 bucks. They include a Winnipeg Sports Talk koozie while supplies last. We've got some great Gold Eyes raffle prizes as well, which will be given away. Get to winnipegsportstalk.com. Order your tickets today and join us July 26th at the ballpark. But in the meantime, get on out there for one of these six games this week, beginning tonight at Shaw Park. All right. We've uh, got lots more to come, folks. Marbles coming up. Uh, keep your eye on the chat in about 10 minutes. We'll open up registration and then get going. And as I mentioned, we were planning on having Hacksaw jump on. Hacksaw will jump on next week. But even better to finish off the week before the Seabears take on Alliance de Montréal than the voice of the Alliance, our pal Mo Khan in Montreal joining us uh, before he works a little CFL tonight as well. Mo, what is up, man? How are you? It's great to have you back on WSD. I'm, I'm well, Andrew. It's like that old school '80s wrestling angle, right? When the guy gets hurt and the surprise comes out of the, uh, the, the 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 entry point, right, to come to the ring. That's what I just did right now. It came out of nowhere. Like, Good Ultimate God, Warrior that's Mo Khan's music. Exactly, like <laughs> Ultimate Warrior did in WrestleMania Eight to save Hogan from Sid Justice and Papa Shango and all those guys. Hey, listen, before we get to um, some CFL and a little football talk. Uh, I wanted to to pick your brain a little bit because I mean we are new here in the CEBL. Um, Seabears have had a great season. They're first place in the West right now. Big game tonight against Montreal, with only what five games left in the season. Three of them at home. But um, Mo, if you could take us through 
what's on the line right now for a team like the Sea Bears in these final games? Because I don't think many people are very familiar with how the playoff format works and this championship tournament works in the CEBL. Yeah, it's. I know people have had that question with me uh, about the playoff format, and even I at times kind of get confused by how this plays out. So essentially what it is, it's a Final Four that's held in Vancouver this year. They're the host team, host city. So Vancouver gets one of the four spots. So two will come from the east and now one from the west. So Vancouver getting one spot, there's only one spot to be had, and that's going to be played out between essentially Vancouver, a big point, Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, and Sask is making a run here, but I don't think they'll make a run that they can get to that Final Four conversation. And on the other side, two spots come from the east. And it's almost like a Mortal Kombat thing here, Andrew, where you have, for example, if Winnipeg plays, finishes in first place, they would play the winner of more or less um, whoever it might be. It could be Edmonton, it could be Calgary, it could be Vancouver, whatever it is. And then they'll go, if they win that, then they'll go to Vancouver for the Final Four in mid-August. And the same thing for the East, where it's sort of like Mortal Kombat, where three seed plays the four seed, winner plays number two, and whoever wins that game will go to the Final Four along with the number one seed. In this case, it could be Ottawa. So again, it's a very, very great situation. But um, for those who want to read up on it, you just go to the CBL. .ca website, and I'll have more clarity on it. But for Winnipeg, though, Andrew, it's a massive three-game set coming out for them with Montreal tonight and, of course, a two-game set against Calgary on Sunday and next week. Um, you know, I mean, we're the new kids on the block, but, uh, man, man, it's been a great season, and I'm not sure what the expectations were. I mean, like, everything was new for all of us here. Um, but I know you paid very close attention to the league overall, calling so many games and have seen the Seabears. What have you thought about the uh, the new team in the league? Oh, they're great. Uh, I mean, we talk honestly with Dwight Waltz and my colleague on, on the Lions games. We talk about Winnipeg Sea Bears at least once a game, and that's because of the organization, the fan base, the arena, and the players that they have. Teddy Allen being one of them, right? Uh, Teddy Ball game has been uh, a chief destroyer out there of opponents, like scoring like forty five points a game practically, and could very well be your MVP this year in the CBL. And, and Winnipeg is is a perfect example of what Mike Morreale was looking at. We spoke about this before when I came on with you before, and I think late May, whatever it was, that Winnipeg could be a, a, a proof that it can work in a city like Winnipeg. And we spoke to some people who have connections to Winnipeg that were in town uh, during the Montreal loss uh, to Calgary. And they all said the same thing, that Winnipeg was hungry for basketball. And it's worked. It's absolutely worked. And it would not surprise me, Andrew, that in 2025, because the way that it goes, it rotates from east to west for the Final Four. Next year, it will be in the east, and then in two years, will be back in the west. It will not surprise me if Winnipeg are going to be the host set site for the Final Four in 2025 because of the fan base, the structure, uh, the ability to, to create excitement for this Final Four weekend. And that Winnipeg team, if it continues to grow, could be the team to watch out for. Maybe not this year. For the next couple of years afterwards, it, it really has been. I mean, I just a smashing success, and you know, we saw the the massive crowd for the for game one, which crushed the previous high for attendance of any game in CEBL history. And I don't know whether I was getting a little ahead of myself, but I mean, I did say on the program, I think that the Sea Bears might be able to average higher. Than 4,400 than that previous high. And we had another sellout on, on Tuesday. We'll see what the crowd is like tonight. Um, it has been an unmitigated success uh, at every level. A and then I think, you know, on top of it, the team's been really good. I mean, I think people would have been fired up and would have come out because they have entertainment value and wanting a basketball team. But you add in the success of the team, and 
if they're able to finish the job in these final five games and get to that championship tournament and be playing potentially for a championship, it would kind of finish off what's overall been a magical, magical year. But, um, I mean, you've been around this league for a while. Are you seeing more momentum in some of the other markets as well in addition to, you know, a new market coming in and kind of raising the bar for support and attendance? Yeah, I think the newer markets, Calgary, Winnipeg, Montreal in particular, have all done very well. Uh, the fan bases are there. The established names, Edmonton, they, they have a solid for the game tonight uh, at the hangar in Edmonton. Uh, Vancouver's done very well with their move from from where they were to now Langley. Um, you know, Ottawa, I think, had a bit of a lull, but with their winning streak now, I think more fans will show up to that. I think Scarborough has done a really good job. I mean, like it's the Drake crew, the OVO guys uh, who, who own the team. And they have done a really good job to make it Scarborough's own. It's not Toronto. It's the Scarborough uh, area that's come out for them. I think Brampton. Uh, I think that's going to be the key. I think for Brampton moving forward, I know, I know they went from Hamilton to Brampton. It might take a year or two for them to really establish roots in Brampton. That's going to be their mainstay out there. But I think Mike Morelli's done a good job to really legitimize and stabilize the 10 spots here. I think the next spot that's been talked about quite a bit now, Andrew, is Quebec City. Um, they could very well get a franchise next year. Uh, seeing what's happening in Winnipeg, playing in, in an NHL-sized arena, um, the Quebec City guys uh, who could be in play might view it and say, we could be like that and have that success and create that geo-rivalry with Montreal and play them three, four times uh, next year. Well, and, and, and I mean, listen, just from a Quebec standpoint, I would imagine that there is a ton of talent in Quebec that, you know, the province overall, and I'm not sure, you know, whereabouts that it is located, but... You could have a lot of homegrown talent that I think would really help a team kind of kicking off in the first year. I mean, I can tell you that having Chad Posthumus being sort of the face of the franchise, and I mean, Simon Hildebrand, who's a young Bison star who was the U Sports Rookie of the Year last year, I was at the start, it was like, oh, cool that he was on the team. He's playing a big, big role right now for oh, the yeah. club, and that's going to be big for the Bison program, I think, going into next year. But um, it, it does make a lot of sense, and, and if you're able to have some guys with hometown roots on the club, I think that just makes it even better for teams trying to establish themselves early on. Oh, no question. I, I mean, look, Postumus is the key, right, for Winnipeg. He, he was proud to be back in his home city and playing in Winnipeg. And look, he leads the league in offensive rebounds this year. Um, you got homegrown talent across the board playing for these respective teams. Uh, Montreal's got, I think, three or four Quebec-based guys on the everyday roster that they've had. If Quebec City were to get a team, I think that creates that rivalry. Can you get the best players in Quebec to come to Montreal or Quebec City? And that's where I think the Dubai will create that competition, which would be great. So I think if, if the CEBL does go to Quebec City next year, it's massive. It puts them at an odd number of teams because they're at 10 right now. That would be number 11. You have to wonder, would they look at, at a 12 to bring in? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I'm not too sure. But there's definitely that talk, the idea that Quebec City could be in play uh, next summer. And we could be seeing maybe a Winnipeg Seabears game against Quebec City. Uh, next summer. Uh, Mo Khan with us. Well, we'll uh, look for it just quickly on tonight's game. I mean, there'll be a lot of people that are going there for the first time to see the Sea Bears. Um, give us an idea of this uh, matchup between uh, the Montreal club that uh, you call games for and our uh, hometown Sea Bears. Yeah, you know, I called the game last week on July 3rd, and I felt that Winnipeg uh, did not get in rhythm uh, against Montreal. Didn't have a good shooting day. Teddy Allen did not shoot the ball well. Uh, the rebounding was almost 50-50. And, you know, Winnipeg has had the monopoly in rebounds. And that posthumous being reason A, B, and C for what he does on the offensive end of the boards. So I think the key for Winnipeg tonight will be the rebounding because Montreal may or may not have their top 
rebounding player, Travion Graham, who had 20 rebounds against Sask about two, three weeks ago. Did not play against Calgary. He's supposed to be on a trip to the West Coast, playing Winnipeg tonight, then Vancouver on Sunday. And, you know, you're right. There's so little games left here. And, again, the short-term play, you don't want these guys to get hurt for the long-term view of them playing European ball or G League out there. So if Travion Graham is not healthy, uh, it could be an edge for Winnipeg on how they could win the rebounding wars against Montreal. And that's why they could very well be in first place going to the weekend matchup against Calgary. Uh, Mo, I know you're going to have your eyes on uh, a big CFL game tonight between the uh, Alouettes and the Toronto Argos. Um, what's it been like following this uh, Alouette team uh, so far? Your new head coach, Cody Fajardo in. I mean, you have had a couple wins. Still a big underdog to uh, the Argos, who've looked um, very much like the Grey Cup champs that they are early on this season. Yeah, it's been a weird year for the Alouettes, Andrew. You think about their wins over Ottawa and Hamilton. Both teams were maligned with injuries and didn't really play well in those first two games. And then get skunked by BC and then Winnipeg just smashed them. You know, it was literally a boxing match, which was over after five minutes of play, no matter what people will say to the contrary. I think for the Alouettes, Cody Fajardo has to be much more calm in the pocket. You see them play when they play uh, Winnipeg many times. Dask. And, you know, there was a meme of him, which was funny, but not funny at the same time, where there was a pass rush thrown at him, uh, I believe by Winnipeg or BC, whoever it was. And he was in the pocket, had a clean pocket. He rolled out and threw the ball away, right? You know, I and, saw and that. Yeah, so Fajardo's got to be a little bit more better with the ball in his hands and, and make the right throws. I know he's missing some top hitters. Reggie White Jr. not there. Greg Allison has been hurt all season long. But if they're going to go far, it's the O-line. They have to play better. He's been hit far too many times. He's been sacked far too many times. Right now, the clip he's going at, Andrew, Fajardo could be sacked over 100 times. He won't survive the season if he goes 100 times sacked uh, on the ground here. And I think the key for this team is really the O-line. If they can't play well, protect, open up the holes from the running game, get for jar of the time here, it puts a real stress on that defense, which relies on this offense to really give them points and have that lead in the back pocket to work with. So it goes hand-in-hand hand here. Toronto, you know, again, you wonder if this could be a trap game for them, given that they had a bit of a, of a rest period to work with. But also Montreal coming off that short week. They were in Vancouver on Sunday and now have to play the Argos on a Friday night cross-country travel Monday morning. So you have to wonder how good of a start can the Owls have tonight against Toronto at home. Uh, Marbles registration is open, everyone. Hit that like button. Let's get to 200 before we drop them and uh, put exclamation mark marbles in. We'll finish off the uh, the week with the marble race in, uh, in a few minutes. Mo Khan is with us from Montreal. Mo, I, I mean, Remus and I talked about it for about the first 20 minutes of the program. What has become of the Edmonton Elks? Um, uh, honestly, I don't think it could have gotten any worse than the way they found a way to lose last week against Saskatchewan, giving up the eight point touchdown, the six, the two, and then, <laughs> and I mean, listen, so much of this falls on Chris Jones. I mean, that was complete coaching incompetence, having a rookie out there that obviously didn't know the rules in the situation and it ended up costing them. But I mean, how, how has it such a proud franchise fallen to the depths that they are right now? Uh, and completely losing a community that that's always supported this team. I, I'm I'm curious to know, Andrew, are they more stressed about the Oilers being what they are, or the Elks being what they are? Because both are are the fabric of the city of Edmonton. Now, we we know that, right? Well, the city problem is that apathy's kicking in now, and I mean that's yeah. the one thing. I mean, you want people to be pissed off if you're not playing well. They're just straight up losing people, and yeah. and that is the, that's the most dangerous thing to the Canadian Football League and that team in that market. And when you think about the foundation piece of the CFL, Empton's always been a stability of success, right, from top to bottom. And, you know, Victor Cooey, he's done a good job 
But I also think he has to read the room better. I mean, I don't know if you saw his tweet from earlier in the week where he was talking about a hot dog in Ottawa. I'm like, no, read the room, man. Like, you know, it's it's cool to promote, but you have to understand that you have to be sensitive to your team's plight right now. And you think about McAdoo, the OC of this team, you have to wonder if he might be the first to fall on, to the, on the sword here because this team can't move the ball. Uh, the way it was constructed, you bring in Geno Lewis and some big receivers, but who's throwing the ball? Cornelius can't throw the ball past four yards. Uh, you get rid of Kai Loxley, and, and you know your other quarterbacks on the on the depth chart are nowhere near USFL level, let alone CFL talent. So in this case now for Empton, for Victor Cooey, he's got to figure out what do I do now? Do I do I force Chris Jones's hand and say you have to make some changes in your staff? And remember, Chris Jones, as everyone has mentioned before, he's loyal to his people, and people who I've spoken to have said that he's been loyal to his guys. And will he say, you know what, I'm not going to do it? And that becomes a blinking contest at that point for Cooey and Chris Jones. But you're right, though, about Chris Jones as a whole. Like, he's run out of credit. But you think about that Great Cup win, Andrew. That was in, what, 2015? That's almost yeah. 10 years ago. And the guy is still treated like he's the god of, of football coaches out there. And, and look what's happened in, in Sask when he was there. And look what happened in Edmonton now, part two. It's not worked out. So something has to give. And if you don't do it now, I can only imagine how ugly it can get for the fans who are going to say, let's forget about the CFL year and get ready for the Oilers hockey season coming up. And whenever they make a change, maybe not now, maybe next year, it might be damage limitations that they have to hope won't be the case in what they are right now. Well, Mo, and here's the thing, though. I mean, I don't know what they can do because Jones is the GM, the head coach, the defensive coordinator, and there's a salary cap for coaching yeah. and management. I mean, unless they've got a bunch of dudes that are willing to volunteer for the rest of the year, that money is spent right now, and they really have nowhere to turn. And... I mean, that was the game that they had to have last night. Oh, yeah. Their next three games, Winnipeg, BC, Winnipeg. Uh, it doesn't look good and as bad as it is right now. I mean, it could get worse and even more embarrassing for a guy that has had a lot of real success in this uh, in this league, um, but ain't having any now. And uh, everything that he's done in the past doesn't mean Jack, you know what, Yeah. Um, because they've got a big offer in their uh, in their spot and and man, I mean, like it, it, a lot of it does come down to a couple decisions, and the quarterback decision is one of them. This team has lost twenty straight at home. Taylor Cornelius is zero and thirteen as part of authoring that one. And uh, we all saw Dusty's hilarious call last night of the yeah. left-handed pick six. Um, you know, for a guy that is experienced as Chris Jones is, we know why he's a DC and not an OC. And McAdoo's taking a ton of heat heat there as well. I just wonder how much worse it can get. And frankly, if you look at the schedule, it looks like it's going to get worse. It's over for them. I have a friend of mine in Montreal, a good buddy of mine who's an Edmonton Elks fan. He goes, it's over, man. We're on to next year. We're tanking. I go, tanking for what? It's a CFL job. You're not getting, you're not getting Caleb Williams from USC. Someone said, out. yeah, they're trying to get Bedard in the yeah, chat. You're not getting Caleb Williams from USC or Drake May from UNC to come play for you guys next year. It's not happening, right? But, but you know, I'll give you the flip side of things here. If it's a write-off this year. We know that. If it doesn't work out for Nathan Rourke, you know what? Edmonton's going to go hard for him. And, and Nathan Rourke, he might – and for all, I want Nathan Rourke to be in the NFL for as long as he can to make as much money as he can. But if he ever comes back to the CFL and say Edmonton needs a quarterback, <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind they might, they're going to throw the whole thing at him because that's what you need. You need a quarterback, and they don't have it. If, if they had a quarterback that's competent, Andrew – Gino Lewis would be playing very would be playing much, much better. That receiving core would be much, much better. 
these they haven't figured out the quarterback position for the last couple of years, and it's cost them dearly. And I feel so bad for the fans of Edmonton because they deserve so much better than what they've gone through the last three, four years. Hey, uh, Mo, just before we go, uh, I quickly want to ask you about some off-season NFL news. If you look at the remaining free agents right now in the National Football League, you could basically put together a Pro Bowl team. <laughs> um, why do you think there's so many guys that are waiting out? I mean, is it more guys that know there's going to be money there and they're veterans and like, ah, you know, I'm going to sign late in training camp to avoid it all? Um, and, and particularly a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, would the Chiefs love to have him? Oh, they would. They've got like 800 grand of cap space, although they are doing a new deal for Chris Jones. Right. Be interesting if enough opened up to get him there. But um, what do you make of the incredible dearth of legit veteran free agents right now in the National Football League that don't have teams? Well, I think supply and demand now of rookie deals being the the norm for NFL contracts. Uh, you'd rather pay a cheap commodity, a rookie deal, than paying DeAndre Hopkins what he wants. Um, and I think in this case that we have for Dalvin Cook, and they are going to say, let's hold off of going to camp for the first two weeks. All we need is two weeks to get ourselves in shape, uh, a week of prep during uh, early September before a week one game, and away we go. Because now, Andrew, what it is, right, your ones don't play. They play like five plays for like four weeks worth of preseason games now. So in hindsight, they don't have to be there for weeks one and weeks two of training camp. They'll come in weeks three and four and dive into week one against whoever they have for install. So I think for Hopkins, a Dalvin Cook, they will be signed. Um, but I think they're just timing themselves up to keep them fresh. Because you think about Dalvin Cook, he had that shoulder injury um, a couple years ago, and he wants to stay fresh, and he says he's, be- he's in his best health many years. DeAndre Hopkins is coming off what he's gone through the last couple years in Arizona. So I think that's also a factor that these guys want to be fresh at the most important times of the year. And if they all sign a one-year deal, it will probably into a bigger deal for them, fingers crossed, for their health. Uh, next spring. And I think that's what they're looking at. Look at Odell Beckham. It took him how many years? It took him a year plus to find himself a deal in Baltimore, which was still a deal that might have been too expensive for anyone's liking, given that he's coming off two ACL tiers the last 48 months. So I think teams are going to be impatient with this, but players are now much more savvy to say, we're going to hold off and wait till we sign that deal and keep ourselves fresh from week one and beyond. Mo, man, always great catching up. We'll look forward to see this uh, hoops game here in the peg. And, of course, that CFL game over in Montreal. Let's do this again real soon. You be well and enjoy the summer, man, man. Absolutely, my dude. Stay uh, cool out there, and we'll definitely talk, my friend. Be good. You got it. At MoCon19, folks, make sure you give him a follow on Twitter and uh, be able to check him out on uh, CEBL Plus and TSN Plus. Next time the uh, Alliance de Montreal are playing a home game, Mo will have the call. All right, we got marbles coming up. Before we do that, a big thank to some more sponsors here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. What a great weekend at uh, Folk Fest over the last few days. I know Little Brown Jug was a big supporter and sponsor of Folk Fest, and a lot of people uh, out there enjoyed the Folk Fest lager. You can pick that up still right now throughout the summer at Little Brown Jug, along with 1919 and Generic Lager, both of which will be available at the ballpark coming up for Winnipeg Sports Talk Night and throughout the year. And, of course, 1919 is available at the stadium, IG Field, as well as they're now official partners with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Don't forget, Saturdays at Little Brown Jug on the patio, What's Golden is back coming up. They've teamed up with Shorty's Pizza, new food, new DJs every Saturday, noon until sunset. Great summer programming at Little Brown Jug. Find out more at littlebrownjug.ca. And, of course, follow them on Instagram and Twitter for uh, the latest events coming up down at LBJ. Speaking of events, I cannot wait to get out to Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge coming up um, next month. 
always my favorite three or four days of the year. If you are looking for an amazing corporate outing or friends and family trip where you can have a a world-class fly-in fishing experience and be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the spot. Find out more about the one-of-a-kind Aikens experience online at akinslake.ca or hit our pal Pitt to rent up at Aikens Lake on Twitter for more information. Limited availability left this season, and they're already booking in to 2024. And, uh, hey, we're uh, just a couple weeks away from the Open Championship. This week, though, many of the stars of the PGA Tour are heading out to the Scottish Open of course, we'll do our golf reports once the tournament begins for our friends at Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. Course is absolutely mint right now. If you're looking for an amazing long-term home for you and your family on a golf course, one of Winnipeg's top private clubs, make it breezy. Talk to Corey Johnson at the clubhouse or find out more online at breezybend.ca about getting on the waiting list for the 2024 season. All right, hoping to hit up a round with the boys at Breezy coming up tomorrow. By the way, um, speaking of golf, let me just quickly take a look and see what's going on. Our guy Aaron Cockrell had a great round today, four under par over at the Barbasol Championship. And it's looking like the uh, he's at minus four, and that is what the cut line is expected to be right now. Now, he's tied for 56th. There's a number of players still on the course, and I guess there is the chance that if enough guys get to five, that could end up being the cut line. Certainly hoping that Aaron will be able to play and uh, we'll be able to cash that uh, prop we had over at Coolbet for both Cockrell and Taylor Pendrith to be playing on the weekend. Pendy had a real nice round. He is at nine under par right now, tied for sixth, four shots back of Lucas Glover. And over at the Scottish Open, it's Rory McIlroy on top of the uh, spot. He's got uh, he's ten under par right now, and Tyrrell Hatton, who uh, yours truly has a little sprinkle on in the lock shop, he uh, was sixty-two today, eight under par. He's tied with Tom Kim and Benny on one shot back of Rory McIlroy at the Genesis Scottish Open. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines. CFL games tonight. We just mentioned that Toronto and Montreal. Ooh, I see a little more steam coming in on the Argos. Argos now five and a half point favorites at minus 116, minus 238 on the money line. Bombers at minus nine and a half for tomorrow. Uh, I still do think that uh, they uh, should be a pretty good bet to cover. Do that for a why not question of the day for not auto corporal Waverly McGilvery. You like the Bombers by double digits? How confident should we be in a cover for the Bombers? Let us know in the chat. But Bombers, yes, are nine and a half point favorites at minus 110. And the total in that game is 44 and a half. And then probably the most interesting game of the week. Also tomorrow, second half of the doubleheader, six o'clock start after Bombers Red Blacks. It's Calgary and the Riders in Regina. And the Riders are one and a half point favorites. Against Calgary, of course, these teams played and went to overtime earlier this season when the Riders won, I believe, on a pick that ended up winning the game. Saskatchewan minus 125, Calgary plus 102. Uh, We got baseball back today as well. And the Blue Jays are at home to the Arizona Diamondbacks. 
The Blue Jays minus 169 favorites. D-backs plus 150. Jose Barrios on the line on the hill today. You like a Barrios prop? How about over four and a half strikeouts for the Jays starter? Of course, uh, we got Wimbledon finals coming up this weekend. Alcaraz and Djokovic. The Joker, a minus 182 favorite. And the women's final it is the uh, the Turk Jabur minus 200 over Vondrasova, who's at plus 175. And one more thing over at Coolbet, our lock shop partner parlay. Dusty and I both like the Argos. That's minus four and a half for this bet. So the Argos to win by five, Bombers to cover and win by 10, and under 44 and a half in the Calgary Saskatchewan game. That is plus 585. If you want to ride with us, that is in the CoolBet exclusives. You can use the promo code WST if you've never played a CoolBet before for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your uh, on your first deposit. All right, let's get those likes up to 200, folks, because it's just about time to drop the marbles. Um, good stuff. Love that uh, people are enjoying mowing. And yes, don't worry. Hacksaw had something come up this afternoon. We'll get Hacksaw on coming up next week for sure. While you're with us and hitting that like, if you haven't already, make sure you've hit that red subscribe button because you do need to be subscribed to the channel to be a winner of the prestigious WST hoodie, courtesy of our friends at Chippem and Associates for your win in the marble race. Uh, Remo, how are we looking for marbles today? How many uh, How many people are in? That's a good question. 188. Eight, I like people it. in, like it. That's so here. Should I close it now? Yeah, yeah. Close it now. Okay. You, they had time. They've had over fifteen minutes. Oh yeah, we've had plenty of time. Plenty of time. I think we should give our man Mo. Uh, a, Mo a gets one for sure. Brady Oliveira will throw one in. Yep, Brady O. Let me let me just do this one sec. I will say, yeah, I mean, you mentioned hit like, subscribe, check out, you know, we did give away some Sea Bears tickets on our Instagram earlier today. So Courtside seats from yeah, our friends at Knot. Give us a follow on the Instagram for that. All of our social medias in the description. We also even have a newsletter, a newsletter, Huss, though. Uh, the link in the description, sign up for that. Uh, we don't really send out too many, but when, if there's big events like our Gold Eyes Night, uh, July 26th at Shaw Park. We sent her an email for that. Tickets out on our website, winnipegsportstalk.com there. Yeah, and by the way, uh, um, f- two things on that. Uh, great response so far. We've grabbed some more tickets. If you haven't already counted yourself in for the Gold Eyes Night on July 26th, get on over to winnipegsports.com and order them today. I saw Derek McGorn in chat. What up, D? Uh, asking about how people are going to get their tickets. They will be emailed them, emailed to you. We're going to give people until the end of next week to order the tickets. And then I think Monday, uh, the like Monday, two days before the game is when we'll email everybody the tickets. So don't worry that you don't have them right yet. We're just going to do it all at once. So uh, if you've already ordered it, consider yourselves in. We'll be hoisting a couple over a craft beer corner and, uh, going to be a really, really fun night. And uh, tell some friends over the weekend that if they want to join us, we'd love to have them. And looking forward to seeing so many of you in person for what should be a real fun day out at the ballpark. All right. Before we get to Marbles, Remus, uh, we got to get our musical introduction 
from the one and only Tristan Rivers music. Are we ready to go with that? We're actually ready today. I'm all set. Looking forward to it. Let's go. Here's Tristan. It's We're just about it. Remus, can I can I make one more audible? Can we please put in a marble for cash and a marble for debit? And we will see. We will we will let the marbles dis, we will let the marbles determine. Yeah, yeah, debit credit, perfect. We got ca- cashless transactions, debit credit. We'll see who finishes first. It's the only way to see in the great debate of this week as to who truly who truly has the has the yeah, uh, the upper hand. Okay, so I have um Brady Oliveira, Chad Posthumus, Mokon, Ken Weeb's golf tour. Shout out to Ken who's I don't know if you knew this, yeah. Huss. He's a member of the score golf panel rating the I top one hundred courses in Canada. It, it but it now it makes it quite it's all making sense now. Like Ken is a guest of honor pretty mm-hmm. much everywhere, uh, everywhere around. Um, yeah. And you know what? Deservedly quality for him. Oh, I see we've got a special air quality statement coming out. Uh-oh. Oh, wildfire smoke. Great. Just what we needed. Uh-oh. I haven't been able to breathe all week as it as it is. That's the last thing. But uh, anyways, we'll get through it. Um, and, and by the way, we have been even more proactive than ever before for the marble race. And there has been marble race testing. And we actually do have a new course, Remus, that um, has been tested and we know it's pretty good. I picked a decent course today here. Uh, Rusty Remnant. I tested it before the show. I got my approval. Looking forward to it. I I haven't seen it before, but uh, when the CTO says it's good to go, it's good to go. Okay, we're um, at how many? After all, 196 marbles. Let me make sure I actually load today's thing. Yeah. Right? Coach Keezer, I yeah. cashed in my loose change the last three months. 2K free money. Come on. That, you know, shout out to Coach Keezer. That is just a great. Come on. It's a heartwarming cash story. Shout out to Coach Keezer. I once tried paying for a fantasy football league in uh, in cash or fantasy baseball in like coin. It was to, to it was rejected. It was rejected by the commission. <laughs> well, okay, that I understand. A cash is cash. I would kick you. I would on. kick you out of the league. I mean, there's at a certain point there is some decorum within your league. 
that is an outrageous move. But I have a feeling you were probably. I was young and peace. I was young and really dumb. <laughs> I was doing dumb stuff. All right, um, here we go. 196 marbles in. We've got a, a courtesy of our friends at Shipman Associates, a Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie. If you win, you're going to send us an email to Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. Um, and if you're going to the game, I'll be able to bring that to you for the game if you uh, if that's easier to come by to pick it up. Um, but Rusty Remnants, new course for a midsummer marble race. Kicking off the weekend, Sea Bears t- and Gold Eyes tonight, Bomber game tomorrow, Gold Eyes tomorrow, Gold Eyes and Sea Bears Sunday afternoon. Lots of great sporting options. So uh, let's fire it up right now. Good luck to everyone. May the best marble win. Let's go, cashless. Let's go, cash. Let's go, cash. Uh, here we go. Let's go, remote. Drop them. There, we're off. Here we go. Rusty Remnant. I'm very looking forward to seeing what this uh, this one is. By the way, tomorrow as well, Valor FC out in Hamilton taking on Forge FC. Valor, rough run lately, seventh in CPL standings. Oh, man. Mike Lay with the big, big start look at this we got mike lay zach c winnipeg walter al broderick all near the front i'm looking for cash i I think i put in the right one here we go zach c merle peters mike z mike lay oh wow yeah this one's cool this is a good one Zach C still looking good. Winnipeg Walter making a move. We got Mike G and Merle Peters hot on their trail and our buddy Mike Lay. Now, what do we have here? The sphere. Who's going to come out of the sphere first? It could literally be anyone. Everyone's stuck in. Who's going to get out of it first? Oh, it is Zach C and Winnipeg Walter. MC Stormy in the mix right now. Rob Wright just got thrown over the top rope. Zach C, Winnipeg, Walter. Zach negotiated that one very well. It looks like Zach is definitely in the driver's seat. Oh, but he just got held up a little bit. This is anybody's race right now. Great choice on the track right now, Remo. This is a very exciting one. Mike G, Zach C, MC Stormy, all right there. Who is it going to be? And I think there still is a few more. Oh, Zach's back in front. Moving around. This is a long track, too. Superior CD. Now moving ahead into first place. Oh, we got stuck. Although he got stuck again. And now Zach's back in first place. And now Zach got a nice booster. Oh, here comes Bridget. Bridget's coming up on Zach. Who will it be? Zach going up to the top. Making it in. Zach, you know what? This has been an absolutely classic run by Zach C. I'm not sure if anyone has a chance of catching him right now. But it looks like Zach's going pretty... I'm not quite close to... Oh, wait a second. Oh, no, he got in. He's in. I I thought almost Zach was going to run out on the other side. Zach C, nicely done. 
All right, here comes Mike, MC Stormy, Andrew Haleko, Lauren Gratton, and uh, Derminator, Dave Shikewich, Seapoltz, Harmony, and Jeff Johnson are top 10 for today. Phyllis, Colin Fast. <laughs> Colin got bounced. You know what? It was that it was giving me the heat for my cash takes. Somehow, somehow the marbles know, Colin. <laughs> Anyways, I love that. It, it's been a very fun, fun conversation throughout the week. Owen Catelli, Gitch Lishka. I am interested to see who did better, though, cash transactions or debit credit. And uh, Travis, I believe, will round things out as the final marble. There we go. All right, let's go down. So, Zach, nice win. Send us an email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. Let me know what size you are. There's cash. Cash is 24th. <laughs> Debit credit, 29th. Very close. Whoa, that's pretty close. <laughs> what was the time difference between them? The time. Basically one second. 1. Yeah, like a second. Seconds. Yeah, less than a second, I think, or, or one. Always believe in cash. You know what? I like cash so much. I've got some Canadian cash here. I've even got some Qatari reals. Whoa. What's that worth? This five, uh, five Qatari reals is probably worth somewhere around two bucks, I would think. Not bad. It's like a toonie. It's a paper toonie, if you will. Although good luck finding somewhere that will accept a banknote from the Qatari Central Bank. Got some camels on it. Some horses. I'm not sure if you can see that. Beautiful, beautiful banknote. There we are. Oh, Zach what, says, what a great way. Here, Zach says, been here since day one. Finally pull out the W. boy, Zach. That's awesome. You know what? You got You just got to keep on grinding. And you did it. And that was, a, listen, it was a new track. There was a lot of ups and downs. You lost the lead a couple times, but then came back in. Uh, I got to say. Outstanding performance. So, yeah, Zach, fire us an email. We'll get back in, uh, sometime next week if you want to pick it up. Or if you're coming to the Gold Eye game, let me know. And uh, I know there's a couple of people I think that we owe one that will come out that they can pick it up then. Um, overall, a great week. I have survived the week. I'm hoping that a couple days of rest will make me uh, close to 100% coming up next week. But um, Monday is going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Ed Tate will join us from BlueBombers.com to uh, discuss what happened in the game tonight. I'm sure we'll get the hammer on. And we will look to uh, reconnect with our man Hacksaw. Everyone loves that Friday afternoon Hacksaw visit before the Marble Race Ream. Oh, yeah. Uh, so he says he owes us one. Hopefully he's feeling better next week. And uh, he'll be able to... Join us, and yeah, Jeff is in Ottawa as well, so tons of reaction from Bombers against Ottawa. Continued NHL offseason talk. Before we go, as do you want to tell everyone about uh, your Puck Doku player <laughs> yes. that you used to? And if you're new to this, if you haven't followed, Hustler and I are loving Puck Doku, uh, the new the game where uh, you have to name players if they played on both teams, so today's grid... On the left side, Detroit, Chicago, St. Louis. On the top part, New Jersey, Washington, and Norris Trophy winner. So you have to fill in the box with someone who ticks play either played for both teams or completed that stat category. 
Yeah, I had, um, listen, for the most part, mine was pretty chalky. I, I didn't have a lot of, I, I didn't, was trying to think about other guys to win the Norris. I mean, obviously I went with Lidstrom. That was 91% for Detroit. Uh, Duncan Keith was my uh, was my Chicago Blackhawk Norris Trophy winner. He was 72, and Pronger was 63. Um, for the Blues and the Capitals, I went with TJ Oshie. Um, Blues and... Uh, Blues and Devils was Brendan Shanahan. I did get a lower, I did get a more rare one for the uh, Blackhawks and Devils. Chris Terreri. No, Remember Chris Terreri? <laughs> Someone who was in my group uh, did Chris Terreri. I did not have Chris Terreri. I had, um, I actually used, it's funny, you could have used Shanahan and Scott Stevens. Or you could have used Shanahan in a couple spots. I used him for Devils. Red Wings, and then I had uh, okay, and then I had Scott Stevens at that bottom. Uh, Blues, Devils. Um. So yeah, I put Thomas Tatar for the Wings, but I did have two very rare picks as part of my nine for nine. Uh, for Capitals, Wings was Larry Murphy. Larry wow. Murphy came in Point at zero nine. nine. But this is the lowest, this is the most obscure player I have ever done with a 0.2% Remo. Enrico Ciccone. Everybody remember Enrico Ciccone? 0.1%. Oh, it's 0.1 now. It's actually gone down. It was 0.2 when I put him in. I guess more people fill it out and don't use him. Enrico Ciccone played through the 90s. Little bit for the Stars, Caps, Lightning, Hawks, Canes, Canucks, Lightning, Capitals, Canadians. Probably quite a versatile player for Puck Doku. Here, I'll give you. I went pretty chalky. I did it quick, so I didn't have time. Uh, I did the other ones I didn't mention. Johnny Oduya for Devils, Blackhawks, the Pizza Man. Oh yeah, that was good that, one. And then I, I had trouble with Chicago, Washington. I didn't want to do this. I used Dylan Strome, twenty five percent. Uh, Sergey Fedorov was my Detroit Washington. My lowest percentage one was Kevin Shattenkirk for Blues Caps. That was uh, <laughs> Chaconi was a goon's goon. He was a little bit of a goon. Um, all right. Anyways, folks, great week. Thank you so much for being with us. Have an awesome weekend. Enjoy tomorrow's Bomber game and uh, Gold Eyes and Sea Bears if you get out. Um, but uh, stay tuned. Don't go anywhere because we're going to send a little WST raid over to the Bonfire Blue Bomber Game Day Show with Darren Bombing and Chris Walby. Thanks again to Bombing for joining us. And uh, the latest on the Jets and lots on the Bombers heading into a short week with a Bomber game Thursday at home against Edmonton, Jeff Hamilton, and Ed Tate going to join us on Monday. Uh, stick around. Bonfire's next. Have a good weekend. We'll see you Monday at 1 right here on WST. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.